Keltec is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. And our co-host, Charlie Chuck Norris. The only fur Chuck Norris you know. Oh, it is? 500? 10 years, 500. Wow, yeah. No offense, Marty, but I can't wait until you leave. I've just... I've been... No, no, I've just been... I'll do that at night on my phone. I've been dying to gut at least my half of the office. Take everything out and put half of it back in, maybe. <laughs> Honestly, you need some of those kind of mounting walls over here. On We've that been, blank space. Yeah, that's part of the plan. Four o'clock comes like that. Five o'clock, six o'clock comes like that, and and we're out. We're like, damn, we didn't we didn't order any tactical walls. You know, we didn't do this, any of that. I have to like pick up on it tomorrow, like because those are just like non-essential things <laughs> over here. Like tactical walls from Tomb. Yeah, he he actually made um, mounts specifically for Keltec guns. Oh, okay. Nice. So they sit nice and level. You can't see the mounts. They they look amazing. So when uh, are those coming? Because everything else before that was for standard products, Glock pistols and AR rifles and that kind of thing. So we had to make those work with our guns. And it didn't we made it work, but it, it didn't look right. So he's just like, you know, I'm just gonna make custom ones for you guys. And so anybody that's got Keltex now can get those uh, hooks for the tactical walls. It looks awesome. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So Leadheads, we are uh, in Cocoa, Florida. This is our 500th episode. Thought we would uh, do it upright for our 500th episode. 10 years of Leducating, the Uneducated here on Talking Lead Podcast. Welcome in. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, this is a little more relaxed setting than than usual. Than SHOT Show. Than SHOT Show or <laughs> NRA. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. When you guys are normally on. Yeah, a lot less noise, right? A lot, lot less noise. Yeah, definitely. That's nice. You got a dog over there and a bunch of guns around. Got to watch the dog to keep the people off her backs, keep the crowd yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's a reason why I'm here in Cocoa, Florida, visiting the good folks at Keltec. Uh, as, as our listeners can hear and our viewers can see, uh, we've got our good buddy Chad, no stranger to the show. You've been, you've been with us since almost the beginning. Yeah, ten years. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it was the beginning. I'm pretty sure the very beginning. Yeah, right? you were one, one of our first guests. We had when you had that that massive sidekick, <laughs> the the squatch, <laughs> the squatch, the squatch. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember. I, I remember the first. I don't know how I remember this because of brain injuries and stuff, but I remember the very first time I was on, you were on a platform at the top of Shot Show. I don't remember whose platform. <laughs> it was the uh, Lone Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lone yeah. Wolf. Yeah, went upstairs. Uh, I don't know if you came by and said, hey, come get on the show or whatever, but somebody did. Yeah. And I ended up up there, and I sat. when I sat down, you were interviewing, like, there were, like, three other people at the table, I think, uh, besides you guys, and the, all three of them were, like, heroes of mine in the industry and i was super <laughs> yeah. nervous to sit down and talk with you guys a couple three gunners and uh i think military guy i can't remember who it was but it, i was up there I was like 
Oh shit! Like was that an it, NRA? That was an RA, wasn't it? I don't know if it was NRA. I don't. It, one of the two. It might have been shows. like our second, one of our second. So our very first show was NRA in I believe it was Dallas, and I mean that's when we just first started. It could have been. We didn't know anybody. It could have been. And that's where we met Jim Irwin for the first time. Yeah, yeah. We were both using the same publicist. The Kraken. The Kraken. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's been a part of the, the show. Yeah, too, yeah. So, the yeah, day. just imagine being like a new guy in the industry, yeah, relatively new. And, you know, you, I've, I was here long enough to, to build up some heroes, like people that, you know, in the industry that I really admired and stuff. And then when, um, yeah, when I got to the table, I'm like, oh, man, they're all here. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, what do that I was, say? That what was do I do? you because prior to getting into this, you know, I would watch the boob tube and uh nothing fancy you know we we're talking about nothing fancy yeah, earlier yeah yeah you know, he he was one of my jams that i watched on youtube and you know him and hickok and yeah. you know, the, all the old school guys iv88 eric you know those guys those and, videos are really fun for at least for me to watch because uh i, I, for, I have no beard so when i got <laughs> right? in, I had no beard baby face yeah and uh just i i mean i knew what i was i knew keltec like i was an expert in, in keltec weapons and uh, designs and knowing how to explain and market and sell all that kind of stuff. But I didn't know anything else about the rest of the industry. So anytime the conversations, and you can go back and watch those videos, like somebody in the, in the crew will bring up another firearm or another, whatever, or we'll shoot another, uh, another gun or whatever, because we're using it to compare and contrast the difference between say a bullpup and a standard, uh, you know, platform rifle or whatever. And it's clearly obvious. I don't know anything about the other gun. But I know everything about, everything the, about Kel- stuff. Yeah, the Keltec yeah. stuff. So. Which is what you should know about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. But, I mean, as you grow in the industry, you, you yeah. learn, you know, all the other weapon systems and but stuff. But that's how I, I knew of you because, I mean, you were famous. You know, I didn't you're know. always on nothing, nothing fancy. Yeah, I had, I had no idea, though. It's like, man, I would love to go hang out with that dude. He seems like he's a cool dude. <laughs> and then, yeah, sure is. enough, you're up at our booth, and, you know, I was fanboying hard <laughs> during that, that interview funny. with you. I probably said maybe two words. Zeke probably did all the the interviewing, but yeah, <laughs> it's funny though to look back at that stuff because uh, um, now we're friends with all those people. Yeah, they're like we're texting each other and stuff, you know, yeah. and like all the people that were famous back then that we looked up to and stuff are just like buddies of ours now. Yeah, it's the old school. Cool. We should do an old yeah. uh, old school show. We do. We talked about the, that. We talked yeah. about it a little bit. We need uh, to get that together. Yeah. The Kiltec KSG 410 is the perfect sidekick with no kick. At just over an inch and a half wide, just over 26 inches long, and just over 5 pounds, you'll be hard pressed to find a more impressive 410 bore shotgun. In fact, it's the world's first and only pump action 410 bore bullpup shotgun. The side by side dual feeding tubes and one in the chamber delivers an impressive 11 round total capacity, making it as functional as it is fun. Innovation. Performance, Keltec. But also join us. Let's let's not uh, ig- ignore our little history lesson. Our new guy, new guy, new guy. This is the first time you've been on the podcast, hasn't it? Yep, that's uh, Derek. Absolutely. So yeah, Adrian Kelgren. Um, or Adrian, sorry. Yeah. So we're two brothers here. Brothers. Uh, did you just call him Derek? I did. He did. I'm sorry. No. It's good. No, no worries. <laughs> I don't appear very much on anything. I kind of just keep a low profile. I kind of. I was pulled out of the dungeons of the factory to come out here and sit and talk with you guys. So, uh, oh, we appreciate you joining us. Um, again, this is uh, historic for us for Talking Lead. This is our 500th episode, so it is a pleasure to have you on. I wanted to get the whole family, but I know you guys are are spread out 
Oh yeah. You know, doing doing business, making money. Very 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 difficult to get us all in the same room too. So it's it's uh it's fun I was able to come out here and participate a little bit. Uh, yeah. very mobile uh right now uh in my life, moving moving a lot. So <laughs> very um, mobile. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm, Enjoy I'm enjoying that. sitting on a couch right now in a nice yeah. in a nice environment uh so to help you guys with anything you guys need. It is very difficult to catch Adrian and and you'll realize why once he s- explains what it is that he does here. So uh yeah, go ahead. Tell, tell them what you do. So um, so I'm the uh, director of industrial production here. So that's just a fancy name as being the operating guy. So I make sure that the plant is able to produce the products that millions of people enjoy around the world yeah. um, to make sure that the efficient manufacturer is conducted and uh, that we don't put ourselves in situations that we are extended to product line. So if folks you know, have a hard time finding our product. There's some method to that madness. You know, markets kind of fluctuate all the time. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, this business was built by my father, George Caldron, who was a huge innovator in uh, firearms design. And transitioning it over to a second generation to manage that, uh, you know, is a tremendous responsibility. But first and foremost, the, uh, the loyalty for us goes to the employees here, every single one of them that put their talent um, into the products, you know, we play defense for their livelihood, their healthcare, all that stuff. So, you know, the decision makers always bias to make sure that everybody here is protected first and foremost. So we, we try to make sure that we're not overexpanded. And if the markets decline in any way, that there's no threat to folks' livelihoods. And, you know, that, that keeps us in slow, steady growth over the years. You're looking multi-generational growth as opposed right. to short-term five-year growth. But, that and then setting up a factory out in Wyoming, which uh, kind of splits my time between here and there. Um, it, very mobile right now. You know, and that's something we haven't. We've talked a little bit on the show. We've touched on that new the new factory that you guys have in in Wyoming. I want to talk more about that as as we get into it. But uh, you know, I, I was able to do a tour yesterday, and you were talking about you know the employees and you know how well that you guys take care of them, and it shows just going through. And meeting some of them during the tour yesterday, I mean, everybody just seemed very, you know, happy and glad to be there. And, you know, they were enjoying their work. And you could just tell that they enjoy being here. No, that's, that's good to hear. Uh, which I try to stay in all the departments. In some cases, uh, I'm spending too much time in other departments uh, only because their, their work is generally fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, and things I can do to help, you know, accelerate, you know, their output or providing suggestions. My background actually is is military so i jumped ah. into this about five years ago i was a navy pilot for 15 years deployed twice um north arabian sea did de- deployments into afghanistan i flew e2 hawkeyes uh for four and a half years and then i was an instructor pilot in t-45s for another four and a half years after that and then i was in active reserves with the u.s navy flying uh in vr-58 doing um 737 700s which we call c40s so right um you know organizational processes is is kind of a wheelhouse uh for me from the military so you know anytime i see that there's structural improvements and and how you know managers communicate or how things are structured i kind of offer suggestions like that and i think i think over the last five years we've improved a lot there there's certainly improvements to be done and, and even more so now with a dislocated factory and how that model works within the the entire uh, coordination of, of um, our product lines. So those are interesting challenges, but not unlike anything what I've done before in the past. So we, we, Matt and I have been able to testify to this for a long time because we were super excited to hear that Adrian was coming on board. And then um, we, f- 
we realized what he was going to be doing here, we got really excited because we didn't have, there was a hole there in our manufacturing process. Like there was a, we needed a guy because it was spread out at the time through um, a lot of like what we call like the, the team leads and stuff on the floor. Now they didn't have that title. They were just managers that were just trying to herd cats basically yeah. in our factory. And um, uh, not to say they weren't doing a, a, a decent enough job, but we needed we needed somebody to come in. Need some focus. That, that had focus everybody's energy. Not just, yeah, absolutely the focus, but not just the focus, but somebody with some authority. Because it was, every time I went to the machine shop or needed something from engineering or whatever, like, everyone was kind of like, I don't really know who you should talk to, you know? And, uh, so and establishing the, the chain of command. Yeah, and, exactly. the military yep. background. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Every, for everybody that. needs a clear manager who then can, here, this, the litmus test for this thing is if your boss can't know you're doing a good job, that's not a good boss. You know, they if they can see the work you're doing and can tell you, hey, this is good or, hey, this is a process improvement I need to observe, that's great. We had a, many people who were reporting to managers who were in such dislocated environments that they wouldn't know what they did or can relative or even attest to whether or not the job they're doing is a good job or a bad job. Um, but again, that's, that's uh, something that the military is structured in me and that's very common. I, we have veterans come in all the time and they, they can see the familiarity between how we're structured now and what they came from before. And now we're more uh, leadership focused to make sure that the managers are appropriate um, in terms of their skill set, how they're engaging with employees. And, and uh, we're seeing a lot of really good success with that. And uh, right now, most of my job is just managing managers and making sure the quality of leadership is there uh, to inspire others to, you know, promote, our our uh, professionalism into the process uh, and es- establishing that has taken the, a while. Yeah, it's it's taken the whole t- till now since since he's been here. Yeah. Uh, it's or, a, yeah. So. How many years you been here now? Five years. Five so, years. So it's like a it took yeah five years and there's still a lot to do. Cultural changes within organizations are very very difficult. You have a lot of change resistance. You have a lot of you know buttons of heads and then yeah. folks decide. Well, especially you know, with a company this size too. Yeah. I mean, you guys aren't like. Uber huge, but you're still a large, well, going large back, manufacturer. Yeah, going back to the employees you were talking about, everybody seems to be happy here. Well, all the people that Adrian had to step in and, and oversee have been here for years and years. Like some people have been here with George since the very beginning, since Grendel. Yeah, you know, yeah. so you can imagine, like he's saying, like uh, the structural or the the pushback on the on the new structures and how things are going to be operating around. Change here. When they people hate change, and they, they weren't do. used to it. They embrace it now. They love it yeah. now because it, it's it's created a, a very efficient environment makes, for them. It as well. makes their life easier. Even even yeah. if it's like if life gets easier and it's different from how they're used to, they're always suspicious of that thing. And I get yeah. that. I, I'm the same <laughs> way too. I don't like change, and nobody does. And so. You have to understand what you're going into, and you and you make small little incremental change, and and make sure that the change has a definable improvement that they can see, and so they're more trusting with with mm-hmm. constant improvements sure. in there. So, um, it's it's uh, it was an interesting process, but uh, yeah, so going, five years in. Yeah, going back to that, so the um, that process created a, a a positive change for our employees, and now we're seeing the positive change for our customers. So they're seeing better products. They're seeing better manufacturing process, faster manufacturing. Right. We're way more efficient. Uh, Which is always and, the ultimate and end just, goal is to yeah. And I customer. just I just want to point out we're just trying to keep up with George because <laughs> he's like a kid in a candy shop. If you give him a computer and, and uh, say design some guns, he's going to have like ten of them for you tomorrow morning. You know, like he just loves designing no, firearms. I, so. When we had him on the last time, he was, he was talking about how he's got this backlog of. You know, there's never ending, you know, new ideas and firearms that he's got ready to go yeah. at, any, at yeah. any given minute. 
Yep. Yeah, the challenge is is going from his brain into actual products in customers' hands. That's <laughs> you can you can always go and make one gun, make a prototype, um, but taking that into mass manufacturing that's that's a challenge, and uh, that's primarily what my responsibility is to take those ideas and bring them yeah. into mass manufacturing. And there's there's challenges with that, um, and certainly techniques. I do a lot of reading. Obviously, five years in this industry is not a lot to be in a situ- in a position like here. But I leverage a lot of my time in the military, where you just have to figure it out. You know, you, you get into a situation, there's no answers. Go figure it out. That's your yeah. talent is to learn as quickly as you can. You know, learn by you know drinking out well, of I fire think hose. In yeah. in whole, the firearms industry. And if you go to most of the the manufacturers and the companies, which I've been to, to several, there is a military feel to them, you know. So you know, with your background, bringing that to to Caltech and then catching them up, you know, kind of to where the modern day is and the other firearm co- companies, um, how they operate and run things. So, uh, you know, tremendous asset bringing your knowledge from the military to here. I mean, it's I think it's a direct correlation. Um, yeah, not for I, this industry. Yeah, absolutely. That on an an internal note, yeah, absolutely. This place, if you came here, you know, twenty years ago, it, it looks completely different than it yeah. does now, uh, as far as everything, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, definitely the products as well. So um, for anyone that's been a Caltech fan for a long time, we love you. We appreciate you, all you lead heads out there. But uh, this guy, sub two thousand. But those those people, I see it online all the time. They testify to that um, that fact just by by the products that we put out, you know, so we've come a long, long way from the P11 yeah. and, you know, so. and I want to talk about products cause we've got, a, and can we talk about this, Adrian? The, I'm not going to say what it is yet. Cause you hadn't said if I could talk about it yet. <laughs> well, this is this, I mean, we could talk about it um, okay. a little bit. Well, uh, we'll talk about it in a minute, but yeah. I just want to make sure before I lead into it. Um, <laughs> are you the, the eldest of the siblings? Yep. Yep. I'm the oldest. Okay. 19, 1983. So you're Great the big year. brother. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, growing up with George, because I mean, he's just fascinating. I, w- I would love to just spend, you know, a week with George and, you know, going through his processes and, and how he does things. What's, uh, and I'm sure he's, he's designed and, and made things outside of firearms because he seems just like he's a, he's an inventor and he would want to improve just things around the household. And yeah, he, he, um, being an inventor, he doesn't buy anything from Home Depot. He goes to his machine shop and he makes it and he installs it. One of the funniest things I've seen him do is like a mounting bracket for the TV. He's like, "Man, I'm I'm not going to pay thirty bucks for this. I'm going to make it for three dollars because I can." Right. Kind of stuff. He's had a generator for thirty five years, and if it goes bad, he'll take it in and he'll repair it. And that he could replace it for 150 bucks, brand new. But nope, he's going to take it in. He's going to replace the parts that are broken, and he's going to put it right back. He's in. like, I can fix this. Yeah, he can fix it's it. He can broke. fix anything. He'll he'll routinely bring things in uh, to fabricate, like a pot holder uh, for his house. And just he he knows <laughs> how it can be produced. He can make it. And he did, he just even if it's something that's 15 bucks, he knows it costs a dollar. Like he's going to do it himself. It's it's just the way his mind works, and he can see these solutions in every household items and. Uh, in addition to the farms industry and, and even the processes here, we have many manufacturing processes that he has invented that that r- dramatically reduces the cost of of general machine items like riflers that he's invented that, man, I know they're selling one hundred and twenty thousand dollar rifling machines out there. He can sell it for a massive profit, six thousand dollars. And there's been people coming here going like, holy smokes, can I buy one of those things? Like, no, we just have it in there because we wanted to rifle something ourselves. And he right. just slapped it together and made one. So. 
there's there's a lot of potential opportunities and in, in kind of that field for him but his passion what he enjoys the most doing is firearms design that's what gets him going it's it's the it's his like art that he does and he's he's since he's done this whole his whole life you know he'll he'll tell you he's never really worked a day in his life he's just doing something that's something that he loves. a hobby that makes money which is which is the secret to life if you can find yourself a situation where you're just doing something passively makes you money that is the secret and he found himself doing that and so 80 years old right now they're asking if you're going to retire. He's like, what do I'm retiring from? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not working. He's never been to work. <laughs> never been to about? work. He's coming to do it. He's going to base his, <laughs> his garage, and which is a large garage, but he's doing the things he loves to do. Now, the heavy lift of the business and expansion and dealing with everything, that's more of my role and my brother's role now. So he's now completely free to explore design development and get prototypes on there too, though, when I take them and I can go bring them into mass manufacturing. So it, I feel the whole process improved significantly, and uh, you'll – see this here in the next years to come as we new, do new product releases you'll probably see the iterations of rate increase so um, i have a question i need to confirm something i heard that your mom has to drag him on vacation kicking and screaming is that true yeah she's she, she's <laughs> the planner of vacations and she'll just book it and say hey i got and he doesn't want to waste any money so he's like hey we're going on vacation here i got two tickets let's go and he says okay i'll go on vacation there, i but. think more of it he just doesn't want to waste time away from here he's yeah. here every day by the way every day he comes yeah. every day same time everybody else does what's yeah. a what's a vacation to him um lately he likes to do um kind of these these tours like uh, Viking cruises or, or going out to sea that's kind of curated. You just buy the package and then you go out there and do stuff. He likes to tour a lot. Um, where is he going? So he, I think he's going to tour like North Africa. He, he just stuff that's just pre-curated. Like he doesn't go explore on his own. Right. And these companies are out there saying, hey, you know, this is the price and this is your itinerary and we'll just walk you through these things. That's what he likes to do. So pre-planned, already laid yeah. out. Yeah. He's Pre- not a – he's not a uh, – Fly by the seat of your pants. No, kind of guy. He, he likes it nice and, and pre-planned. Structured. And generally, most of the people doing that are, are his age. There's not a lot of young people doing it like that because it's easy. You just you get a little magazine and you read, you know, oh, this is a river cruise going through this thing. That seems cool. Let's book it. So that's how he does it. Yeah. Awesome. What's one of the, the craziest, and not here, but at home? I know you talked about like a TV mount. Just growing up that you saw him, saw him make. Firearms. <laughs> <laughs> no, outside of firearms. Just, just like, I was like, what are you doing, Dad? What, what is this? I've seen him on a in in a pond outside our house on his belly in an inflatable raft, <laughs> building a floating system to make a fountain. <laughs> and uh, that's he was just sitting there, awesome. and there's like snakes in there, and that visual. It's, half, it's halfway deflated, and it's taken on water, and he's sitting there making this floating system so that. The fountain could go and it looks nice because, you know, he knows how to do it and he's not going to get a guy to come in there and charge him like 300% of that work. So he's going to just do it himself. He's making a tool so he can use his tools to make something else. Yep. That's that's actually exactly how our manufacturing works. Like We we don't make, obviously, anybody that knows Caltech, we don't make, you know, the the stuff you can buy anywhere else. So we we have to manufacture fixtures we had to manufacture yeah, tools, custom like, tools everything yeah it's it's yep. wild man fixtures tools everything is custom there's there's no source for that so you invent it and you go um yep. the benefit of machine shop is that you have infinite possibilities for your tooling system so it just comes down to the talent of the application um but yeah, yeah george is also uh he's in, like 
the entire gate opening system. He's made that. Um, didn't go to a company for that. Uh, it's so it's wild. yeah. If he can make it himself, he will, and he does, and he enjoys it. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine that that some of this creativity has has gone through the genes uh, between the three of you. There's three of you, right? You, you, you and Derek and your sister. You got a sister too. Yep. She's not in with Caltech, as far as I know, right? No, her okay. her husband is uh, Parker. Parker, yeah. yep. Parker, I think Parker's been on the show, hasn't he? Has he been on the show? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, okay. He's he's out of Birmingham right now. Yeah, he's he's yeah. our director of uh, business development now. So we actually he a previous automotive guy, and uh, now he's he's being a direct liaison with all our distributing partners out there. And and yeah. during this time right now, you know, Caltech is incredibly fast response. He talks to these guys probably twice a day, every day, giving them updates and and you know providing information on new product development, getting them NDA'd for for whatever it is they're going to hold before we go and release it, um, all that stuff. Yeah. So between you and Derek, um, who's the more creative? Who's the left brain? <laughs> <laughs> um, so my background is aerospace engineering. Um, so it's, it's very, very methodical, very mathematical. Um, Derek, Derek, did his degrees in, in business. Um, I, I would probably say that Derek is probably more creative. He's the one of us that actually can play an instrument. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm more, I'm more, uh, mathematical and very logistical and and very process oriented. That's the way I am. And uh, I got my degree in aerospace also. Now, now here's the thing. This is the secret sauce. So my brother and I, with our two talents, if you merge us together, that's the recipe for having ingenious design. So, I try to I try to uh, tell folks, you know, with George, you know, you can be an engineer or you can be a really good piano player, but you can't replace Mozart. Now he right. plays the piano too, but he creates ingenious things. And so for George, yeah. he has the artistic side in him, which is which is evident in his gun designs, but he also has the engineering background. When the melding of those two things, which is a unique thing, there's not many people like point zero 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 one percent of the of human beings have ever done something like that. That's where you get the the true talent, right? And so I feel to have the idea and the creativity, but then also the, art- the ability to to make it yes, real to to actually perceive in mechanical three dimensions. That's that's how he kind of puts it. It's like well, it's like Da Vinci, exactly. So so, so what he, he's saying is it takes it takes two guys to be George, pretty, pretty much <laughs> to be one George. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's that's hard to replace. I mean, he's one of a kind guy, mm-hmm. and uh, most of our engineering staff. What we do is we take we take a fundamental new class of of mechanical system that he has invented, and then we either scale it or we um, develop a new product based off of that. And that's what you're seeing a lot of our competitors do even today. Uh, yeah. They're taking a fundamental invention that George has done, and then they kind of improve tweak a process it. tweak it or scale it to a different caliber but the dna is from him yeah and uh he, he's gonna have a touch on the industry for generations to come um no he's he's already a living legend and he's gonna go down in history as the kalashnikovs and the brownings and you know he he's gonna be in that class no doubt he is he already is yeah uh, i hear that all the time Introducing our new belly band holster. Whether you're hitting the gym or running a quick errand, our belly band is one of the most comfortable and safest ways to carry your firearm. The center section allows you to carry most common pistols. Left or right-handed, this has you covered. A hard laminate trigger shield protects the firearm's trigger from unwanted intrusion, giving you ease of mind while carrying every day. 
Two elastic sleeves give you the flexibility to carry other everyday items, such as spare mats, flashlight, knife, or pepper spray. Two zippered pockets run on both sides, offering the option to carry smaller items, such as money, cards, or keys. Flush fit on your lower back or waist, easily keeping your setup discreet no matter how you choose to carry. Utilizing 3D spacer mesh, these channels allow for exceptional and efficient airflow, giving you maximum comfort and keeping you cool. Carry whenever you want, how you want, with our new belly band holster. Available now. Go to missionfirsttactical.com, use the code LEADHEAD for an exclusive listener-only 20% discount. Uh, so, Adrian, this is our 500th episode. Awesome. Congrats. 10 years of Leducating the Uneducated here on Tiny Life Podcast. And we like to reward our listeners. So, we've got this this thing that we're putting together with, with Caltech and a few other companies here. And we're calling it the Talking Lead and Friends Freedom Giveaway, Chad. Because it's free. Everything's free. <laughs> Everything's free. And it's all going to one person. Yeah. So let's let's kind of, let's break it down. Let's break down the, the giveaway. It's going to start, so as you're listening to this, it's a little soon. It hadn't started yet. It's going to start September, and it's going to run the entire month of September. We might want to get Matt over here for this uh, so he can correct me when I say something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Come on over. Here's, you got a spot right here. Got a spot and a mic for you, buddy. Um, but this kind of all started at NRA when we were trying to, to come up with a giveaway for NRA and it started just getting too big for NRA. Yeah. So don't, (laughs) don't go out to dinner with all your friends and have a few too many beers and try to decide to do a giveaway (laughs) (laughs) because this this is what it turns into. Like, let's give them everything we can think of. And then the table next to you also is listening into your conversation. Oh, I want to take part in that too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So we, uh, we have obviously Caltech, um, the, the big, the big giveaways. Should we start small and then go big or should we just start big and then Uh, however you want to do it's your show. So for our video audience, you can kind of see some of the, the prizes that are going to be in this. Chad's got uh, an armrest over there full of them. Uh, we've got a couch full of them over here. Uh, but uh, And you've heard me talk about it. So it's going to be a three-gun giveaway. And it's going to be three of Caltech's finest firearms. Yep. You'll get a an RDB Defender. There you go. RDB Defender. Talk about the Defender, the a, RDB Defender. Yep, RDB Defender takes uh, standard AR-15 magazines. It's got a 16-inch, um, me- I would call it a medium-profile barrel. Um, M-Lock handguard uh, it comes with that um, AT flash hider, which everyone takes off and puts something else on there. So right. uh, <laughs> we'll leave that up to you. Um, yeah, it's... it's got a, a top it, rail? Yeah, it's got the top optic. rail on it. Yep. Um, but... Uh, Ambi? We, yeah, we can show you. I'm mean, probably seeing the videos how I've got mine set up. It looks very, very, very cool, guy. Um, but, but that's yeah, the thing; it gives you the ability to customize it and put abs- all the the bells and whistles that that you prefer. Absolutely, it's uh, it. it's twenty twenty six point one inch overall length. It's extremely light, uh, lightweight, um, very low recoiling. It's got an adjustable gas system, so you can tailor it for your specific ammo or suppressor or both. Can, yeah, and. Uh, 
yeah, it's it's a phenomenal little shooter, and um, we had a really good time with it at the range the other day. Everybody that I handed it to were like, at the Sydney, the the only girl that was out there, poor yeah. girl. Uh, yeah, I, I gave it to her, and she was terrified of the recoil. <laughs> she, <laughs> like, yeah, she's like, oh, she pulled the recoil, trigger, and she it? turned around, had a giant grin on her face. She's like, and then she wanted to do the whole dump the whole mag. So, oh yeah, yeah, they're they're super fun to shoot, but it's completely ambidextrous as well. It's um, the uh, it's got a bottom uh, ejection, so for lefties, uh, it's perfect for you, and you can take that charging handle out and switch it to the other side very quickly. Yeah. And I think we've demonstrated that on a yeah, couple yep. of videos. Yeah. But so, yeah. So super, super fun. 223 556. Uh, chamber for 556. So very good. And then uh, next up, we've got the uh, the KS7. Adrian, hold that. Model that up, Vanna. There you go. The <laughs> KS7. That's 12 our gauge. Yeah, it's our single tube, essentially our single tube KSG. Uh, for anybody familiar with the KSG, it's a uh, pump action shotgun. Single tube um, with two and three quarter shells. It holds seven plus one. Or uh, you get six plus one with three inch. I don't know anybody that's man enough to really run a whole bunch of three inch shells, but you can if you want to. You can do it. Um, it's got uh, M-lock there on the sides uh, and up on the uh, carry handle uh, for a flashlight. So if you want to use this for home defense, it's a, it's a great weapon for that. Um, also, fully ambi. Uh, the shells, just like the KSG, they load and eject out of the bottom. And uh, all the the rest of the and the uh, carry handle is removable. The carry handle is removable. You can set it up just like a uh, like a KSG comes from the factory. So you can put the actual KSG rail on there. Uh, so you can put a red dot or uh, whatever variation can you of do, sides you can want. Can you put different chokes on this? Yeah, we have a choke adapter. Um, okay. I believe the same choke adapter for the KSG fits on the KS7 as well. Nice. Um, it didn't when it first when when we first prototyped it, but um, Ryan, our engineer, did something to make sure that that could go on there. So, yeah, you can you can choke it. He did his engineering thing. He did Made his it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very so, good. And yeah. then also, this is a three-gun. So we got our rifle, we got our shotgun, now we got our pistol. Yeah, so we were giving away our brand-new pistols. Uh, it's called the P-15. It's our first uh, striker fire pistol. Uh, this thing is specifically built for concealed carry as you can see it's really small uh it is the smallest still the smallest and lightest double stack nine millimeter pistol on the market ah okay just came i did out. not know that there's two versions of it we got the polymer version i'm referring to the polymer version though the polymer is the one that's in, in the giveaway. that's in the giveaway yeah yep. we do have a metal version of the gun as well um the specs on that i might be we might be uh it might be a stretch to say it's the smallest and lightest um but it might be the smallest and lightest double stack metal gun. I'm not sure, but okay, they're very very small, but um, extremely soft shooting for for how light and and uh, small it is. Um, it's the smallest and lightest metal gun that Keltec makes. It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the old, yeah, uh, but it has uh, the front side is amazing. It's uh, it's tritium and fiber optic. Um, Both okay. Yep, yeah. and so it's got it's a night sight and a fiber optic sight, and the rear sights are fiber optic uh, only. Uh, as you can see, it's got nice cocking serrations all all the way across the top of the slide. Yeah. Uh, the grip is very um, aggressive. Um, great for uh, you know maintaining the gun, getting a good purchase on the gun. The grip's really small. It's uh, comes with two magazines. One is twelve, so you get twelve plus one with a flush fit mag, and then the magazine that you see here is a fifteen round mag that's can got a that? pinky extension on it. Thank you. And. Uh, Great trigger. The striker's really, really nice. Nice and responsive. I got to shoot it for the first time when we were doing our videos. 
um, yeah. promoting this. So if you're listening to this uh, and you haven't seen the promotional videos, they're coming. Matt's working on them. <laughs> He's doing an excellent job. It's a four-inch barrel for anybody that's uh, – how, how long is it? It's got a four-inch barrel. Um, it does come with the accessory rail on the bottom as well. So Right. I was going to point that out too. Yep. So Flashlight, um, laser, combo, whatever. Yeah. And then I think you're working on this part. Yeah. So I don't want to say again. I'm, let's put Adrian on the spot. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that would be uh, one of our engineers, um, Joe Easter. He's our uh, – He's one of our three gun guys. Uh, that's that's his department. He's yeah. so I'm talking about a uh, optic. Work. Yes, optic. Yep. Right so we we have plates in development that we're going to basically release on the web store that just drops right in there. Um, and so Joe Easter, who's our three gun guy, is designing these uh, currently right now. Um, we're we're focused first on the metal edition to make sure that that there's compatibility with latest uh, optics on that one, and then we're going to be releasing uh, the uh, P15 plates where you guys can just put on the optic of your choice on there very yeah. cool and of course the uh, comments on which ones are the most popular to start with first because not all optics are made the same nor are there patterning that attaches to them so. yeah it's different sizes and yeah, so there'll be a number of, of ones will go there but and then it's going to come the pistol the p15 our good friends at mission first tactical designed a custom holster just for the winner's p15 and it's got uh, kind of a America freedom yeah. <laughs> uh, theme to it. And it's got the new Talking Lead logo, which this is also uh, in celebration of our new logo is why we're doing this giveaway too. So 10 years, 500 episodes, and our new logo, which Derek has, or Derek did it again, Adrian has on the hat that nice. you can see yep. there. Um, I was going to wear mine, but. I couldn't find it. I maybe, packed all my stuff up. Maybe you can get hotel. Adrian to wear it while he's flying and take a picture of himself. <laughs> <laughs> I try to do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Adrian, take this up in the cockpit. Take that in the cockpit. <laughs> I should. Uh, also, for Mission First Tactical, uh, they're going to have some of their drinkware. I don't know that this one specifically that I'm holding up for the camera is going to be. This is my personal M18 uh, smoke container here, drinkware. That's actually pretty cool. But there's going to be diff- uh, a couple of different drinkware uh, for Mission First Tactical. Chad's got the bag, so Mission First Tactical has a new line of bags called the Acro, and it's the perfect gray man bag. So they've got a larger, um, I think that's like a, th- what is it, 30 liter? What is that? This looks like a three-day pack. It's on the uh, the tag there that you've oh, got. Oh, okay. So you got a large, you got okay. a medium, basically, uh, and then you've got a sling, the sling bag. I love the sling I bag, gotta, everyday carry kind of bag. I got to get one of these. This is really cool. Which I've been rocking mine Oops. for a couple of weeks now. Uh, perfect. And every one of these has a place for your concealed carry. Uh, and they come with the multi-mount platform that Mission First just came out with. Each each bag comes with that so you can mount your firearm. What colors? Strategically. So far black? Th- this is the color so far, yeah. Okay. So awesome. far it's, it's like, like a... Like a grayish black, charcoalish black. Yeah, I, like I would it. say, uh, just very gray man. So discreet, doesn't stick out, doesn't scream. You know, I'm a tactical kind of guy, but it does have Molly on the front and on the the strap, so you can you can add additional things if you so it choose. It almost looks like a back to school backpack. <laughs> back to school. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking it looked like one of those backpacks that people trek across Europe with. It know, does. Yeah, yeah, kind of deal. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. It'll look good in Eastern Europe too. 
just yeah. in case you want to head that way. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And it's got you know it's got side pockets for your drinks. Uh, you know whatever. There's there's all kinds of uh, administrative pockets and zippers on these bags. So yeah, plenty we would, of room. We would show them to you, but it's going to take too long. Well, just go to Mission First Tactical's uh, YouTube channel, and they've got each one of them showing you all the cool features on it. There you go. Uh, also from Mission First Tactical, uh, there was something else that they were giving away, Matt. What what else is included with? So we got the drinkware, we got the bags, we got the holster magazines, yeah. magazines for your def- your defender. Um, there's oh gonna, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna get uh, a nice supply of of magazines that's gonna come with that. So let's yeah go. We should stick with the guns for a minute because you're getting magazines with the guns. You're also getting optics, and you're well, also getting that's lights. Coming. That's right. Yeah. So optics are. Actually, we'll go with the light. We'll yeah. go with the light. Yeah. So you're going to get some weapon lights from Enforce, our good friends at Enforce. You're going to get uh, a weapon light for the KS7 and the RDB. Nice. And uh, so two lights the from Enforce. The WML and the WMLX, the white lights. So and you've got plenty of rail spacing on both of those firearms to yeah, to correct. place those. Yeah. And then Chad was mentioning optics. Yep. Vortex Optics is uh, they're th- they threw in a Spitfire um, at my recommendation for the KSG. Uh, you can put it on either gun, but this has an etched reticle in it, and uh, most people that have a shotgun they use it for home defense. And in the middle of the night, things go bump. Uh, the last thing you're going to have to worry about is turning on a dot or light. So that etched reticle comes in very handy. So uh, you'll have your your enforced light on there. You light up the target. You look through the reticle, and you're and you're good to go without having to fidget around. And they're also setting up the the RDB uh, with this Strike Eagle, uh, one to eight oh, variable wow. optic, and um, those are nice. Yeah, we also have a, a mount for that. That uh, Warren Mounts makes these amazing mounts for these. And um, love me some Warren Mounts. Yeah, and so they actually. Um, they're branded uh, by Vortex, so Warren makes mounts for Vortex Optics, and uh, we will have this uh, amount for this for the RDB as Wait, well. Wait, so one guy's going to win all of this? One person is winning, and we're not done. Wait, there's more. What? <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Oh my God. Uh, so to, to to my right, and this is kind of what... Adrian's getting comfortable. <laughs> it's like, I'll be here for a minute. <laughs> this, there, there's the other weapon light, the two weapon lights. Um, but really what, what kicked this idea off of of like a three gun was you guys know Craig and cases, new sponsors of the talking lead podcast um, is they, they released their rifle case not too long ago. And it was during, I guess, NRA. Yeah. And, and we were like, let's fill it. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what we were talking about doing at NRA. We're like, let's get the yeah. rifle case. And, and then it just turned out to be like, again, an administrative nightmare to get that all done before, before NRA. So we're like, let's just do something after and the whole idea was like this case is ginormous; it's huge, um, and you know it's got their their patented foam in there, and it's two layers. And we're like, let's just fill this up with everything that we can. Yeah. And that's kind of how the the idea came for this giveaway. Yep. And we've overstuffed it because <laughs> obviously those bags aren't going to fit in there. All three guns, uh, so the listeners know, all three guns with the optics and accessories will all fit in there nicely. Yes. Yeah. And and most of the stuff that we're going to be talking about here too. So, uh, the Kraken case is also, this is their Sigma case. Kraken, Kraken, it's cracking. <laughs> it's cracking. What's cracking? Uh, is going to be included. So you're going to get the case to put everything in. Um, so 
Cracking cases. I need to do some more marketing for them. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, they're a new company, so I mean, they're they're brand new. Yeah, they're brand new. You yeah. probably only heard them about about so them I, on the Talking Lead podcast. That's I want a T-shirt people. that says "What's cracking?" What's cracking? <laughs> yeah. Ben would love that. Tell him, <laughs> tell him he'll make that. Uh, but they also have a pistol case, so they've got some smaller ones. They've got uh, an eyeglass case, and this actually comes with an even smaller um, cracking case on the inside. So you can put you know, whatever you want to put in there, ear yeah. pro, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it may be, the smaller ear the pro. The foam is the coolest part. Tell me about the foam. Like when you- yeah, so it's the memory foam, and I can't open this up right now for our video, but you've seen me do it on the show before. It is, um, It takes the shape of whatever you put in, so you don't have to laser cut. Uh, you know how you custom laser cut your guns? You don't have to worry about that. You just put your stuff in there, and it's going to be nice and secure and snug. You could put eggs yeah, you put a carton of eggs in here yeah. and drop this off, you know, a 20-foot building and the eggs are going to... Yeah, last time out. I was on the podcast, you actually put an egg in the pistol case <laughs> and closed it. And the eyeglass like, oh, case. This. Yeah, I did the eyeglass case. Oh, this, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, this thing's crushed. And you yeah. open it up, yeah. It was, yeah, just... And then you cracked it for us. Yeah. I'm like, that's a fake egg. Heat resistant. Um, I can't remember the degrees, but you could put, you know, a hot... After you just shoot, you could throw it in there and you don't have to worry about it melting. Oh, nice. Yeah, hot barrels. And cut resistant. So you guys have seen me take my uh, buck knife to it and mm-hmm. slash it and try to cut it. And yeah, yeah it didn't. It so didn't the cut. point is, the point is, it's an extremely durable case. And it's definitely stout. And the locking mechanisms are very stout on it, uh, but also easy to open. You know, there is, yeah. yeah, it's got a, it's a pretty, I mean, you're going to look cool at it and you're going to say, you know, that's a, your typical, you know, like, um, these yeah. Pelican sure. case, but. It's the foam is what makes these. It sets them apart from yeah. from everything and else. And the locking latches too. It's there's definitely design yeah. things in there. It, it just looks like a normal case, but there's definitely. And again, it's a new company, is. and they're improving as they go. They're they're yeah. listening to the customer feedback. They've already made two two new improvements since they first released this. Oh wow! Um, so I have an old one. The this one is, but the winner's going to get <laughs> the new one. <laughs> going to get the new one. Yeah, nice. And there's actually some custom. La- he did some laser because he can custom put designs and stuff on his stuff nice uh so the new tl logos in there and i think freedom the freedom uh yeah he did some laser for us it was a really cool the keltec logo uh, flag logo yeah so wait there's more but wait so our good (laughs) friends at seal one you got the guns you're gonna need to clean your guns so you've heard us talk about their new universal rifle cleaning rod kit you're gonna get that plus you're gonna get their clp cleaning uh, solution kit too from seal one seal one and done um what else fire so we did the we did the lights we did the lasers we did the holster you did that you need ipro if you're going to shoot right chad correct so tactical rx our good buddy brett tactical rx is uh, putting you up with a nice stylish pair of ipro and a case uh, i don't have it handy uh here but uh, you're going to get that and then ear pro you know, you need ear. We're talking about ear pro. It was laying around here somewhere. Hmm. Oh, it's way back here. Uh, I, I got it. This TAC RX glass is minor, minor uh, prescription. Go, yeah. So Adrian's got it. I've got it. So yeah. is it the ATAX electronic earbuds from Walker's Ear? So you're going to get a nice pair of electronic ear pro. And that these will definitely fit in that case inside oh, of the easily, case. Yeah. You can put them in your pocket. The egg case, we'll call it. Um, but yeah, and you were using these out at the range the other day, and yeah, uh, you you were digging them. Bluetooth, you can listen to music 
um, yeah, sync them with your phone, listen to music, but they still have that noise cancellation for, yeah. for when you're shooting. So yeah. wow, you shoot anything up two two threes with it, and yeah, it's just completely sound mm-hmm. dampening. Yeah, oh yeah, it's pretty cool. twelve gauge. Like, these are a lot of so. What's what's interesting? So I've only been doing this five years now in the firearms industry. Obviously, grew up in it. Um, most of my entire exposure to this stuff has been design development and manufacturing. I'm very little time do I get to see accessories and and product support for for mm-hmm. within the industry. And this is super cool stuff. I mean, I'm I'm just discovering this stuff now because you know I just generally throw on foamies or or regular you know hearing These protection are yeah, over yeah. the ear yeah over deal. the ears thing i didn't there's some crazy technologies out here that kind of this is bringing me up to speed with a lot of cool stuff especially that <laughs> nice. thing that's pretty cool oh yeah have you it, seen the foam in these yet nope I all right not. we're gonna we'll, we'll show it to you here in just a minute <laughs> there you go um also with a firearm what else what else do you need with a firearm you need ammo you need ammo. ammo baby you need some ammo so our good buddy pete pie at defiant munitions is going to give the winner uh some nine mil for your P15 and some 556 uh, 556 for the RDB. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't make shotgun shells yet. Not so yet. So nothing for the KS7, but uh, But you get to choose your own flavor on that. If there you want to go, go slugs or birdshot or whatever you Yeah, and we didn't want to beat you up, so get some low recoil. And if it's legal in your your state, Dragon's Breath. Yeah. <laughs> That's always fun. <laughs> we were going to do that here, but we couldn't. It's they're not legal in Florida. Yeah. Which I was shocked about that. Dad gummit. But it's what already, else? It's already hot enough here. What else? <laughs> there's more. Wait, there's more. There's even more. So you guys heard a few episodes back. We had Jared Johnson with STA Blades on the show. And I was telling him about this this giveaway that we're having. He's like, hey, I want to take part in that. <laughs> so one of Jared's custom blades. That's a nice knife. Is also going to be included I with like that. that. That's nice. That's a super sweet knife. That's actually I mean I didn't even look at that yesterday. No, I mean it's it's really, really nice. Wow, that's stout too. And it has its own sheath, so it comes with a sheath uh, as well. Full tang. I think he calls that the the stabbers. I can't remember yeah, what he calls that one. That thing's really nice. But go to go to their website, stablades.com. Uh, so a knife. What else is that? So we did the eye pro. We did the ear pro. Matt, what? Am, oh, once you get your guns loaded and you got the optics on them, you got your ear pro and eye pro on. You're gonna want to shoot something, right? Yep. Right. Something that goes. Something boom. that goes boom. So Adrian, if you could, if you would. Yeah, I just. Discovered he's admiring these the knife yeah. over here. Yeah, I, I just discovered these things. Right Firebird now. targets. Yeah. You guys have heard of Firebird targets? They're non-binary. Uh, I guess you call them explosives. I don't know, um, but they blow things up. <laughs> they pop, they pop, and they put out a little flash. They're really fun. Actually. They're really fun. Um, kind of just takes your takes your range time, your plinking time, just to the next level. Yeah, they're just little pucks, little disc that uh, have. Uh, he's got adhesive on the back, so you can stick them to uh, a target. Uh, you can cut open a watermelon, put them inside a watermelon, or. You know, if you want to blow up a watermelon, uh, very cool. And you can stack them. So watch, if you want a bigger, for that. Yeah. you want a bigger boom, uh, stack two or three of them together. But again, they're dangerous. These are explosive. So, so you hit them, you shoot them right sense. there in the middle. Shoot them in the middle, and you, it's not um, caliber or velocity specific. You could you could set those off with a an arrow. 
You can wow. shoot a bow and arrow and, and set those things off. You shot them with slugs? Yeah. Wow. Slugs, the, the, the nine set it off, the two, two, three set it off. Pellet, <laughs> pellet guns will, will set them off. Nice. Wow. World's only ATF approved reactive target. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. So firebird targets. So there you go. I think, Matt, is that is that everything? Is that everyone? Oh, and then, of course, yes. Uh, this is cel- in celebration of our new logo. So as you see, Adrian is wearing our new Talking Lead logoed hat. And we also have a shirt. So you're going to get from Dipstick Branding the hat. And a shirt. So nice. we'll, the winner will get your size, and we'll have you, your size sent to you. Um, but And we'll throw some Keltec swag in there, too. There you go. You can't go to the range with just a gun. you got to have a hat and a T-shirt. you got to have some stuff to throw in your three-day bag. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, these, these bags could be range bags. They could be... Whoever wins all bags. this stuff can literally just get everything set up, and they're done. They're good. Yeah, whoever like wins this, I want to see a video. I want to see you do a video enjoying all these products. It took me years to sort of figure out what I wanted to get all this stuff set up for, for the range. One person's just going to get yeah overnight. Here, here's your range. Well, you, you know, go. and because, you know, we brought our, our personal experience into this, you know, you're like Vortex op- optics are awesome. Yeah. You know, I would yeah. put a Vortex on my RDB, and you do. That's what you run on your... I don't have any other optics on any other yeah. any guns I have. You're, you're running the Vortex. Enforce lights. I love the Enforce lights, so I've run those on my firearms. So I was like, we got to get Enforce involved in this. So this is all stuff that we've tested, tried, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's true. Seal One, uh, you know, their products are awesome. They've been longtime sponsors of the show, and I don't let anybody sponsor the show that I haven't used their products and, and feel 100% that they're worth it. So. Yeah, I need a case of those things. Just when I take friends to the Firebird? range. Yeah, yeah, Firebird yeah. Target. They're yeah. fun, man. There's there's so many different things you could do with those. We shredded your old logo with that. We that did. Fun. We did. So the banners and the pop-ups that I use at trade shows because, oh, Black Tie, also part yeah, of this, part of this giveaway. They're, yeah. they're helping with us with the media and putting everything together. And, of course, they designed my new logo. So if it weren't for them, uh, you guys would still be – Looking at my 1990s logo. <laughs> <laughs> they brought me into the 21st, 22nd century, whatever we're at now. Yeah, they did the same for us, too. They're a great company. Yeah, that, that's company. how I met them was through you guys. We were at um, Chacho this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And they happened to be there, and Chad introduced me, and he's like, hey, why don't you get these guys on the show? I was like, okay, well, what are we going to talk about? And it, we started talking, and I was hearing what they were doing and what they were doing for you guys, and I was like, hey, what would you do with my logo? Just, <laughs> just for instance, critique my logo, and he—he's like, you don't want me to shredded me. He's like, no, you don't want me to talk about that. No, that he, he shreds all. The he logos. was trying to be nice about yeah. it. He's like, nah, very yeah. professional, very nice about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, no, be honest. He's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Left jaw, right jaw, uppercut. Yeah, and that's body shot. Yeah, that's oh. one of those things we don't yeah. like change, right? You know, Yo, like we yeah. talked about earlier, and and those guys they they specialize in change. Like that, they're not just change, but change that is needed. Yeah, needed progr- change. progressive change, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So black tie digital marketing. Um, thanks for the new logo. Uh, where was I going with that? I was going somewhere with that. I don't know. Yeah. Oh. So ten years of talking. No. <laughs> there, there you go. Ten years. <laughs> but yeah. So I think that's that's everything. So one one guy, one girl, one lucky leadhead. Yep. Gets it all. And I know some of you are saying, why didn't you just split that up and, you know, share the love? 
because we normally do that, but this just makes it even more skin and it's the freedom giveaway one person's just going to have the freedom to go to the range and be the baller at the range absolutely so, so, yeah. if I'm, so if i'm just you know perusing the interwebs and i come across this podcast how do i get in on this good question like that's how, a how, great how question this? so our good friends at mission first tactical you're not eligible though yeah no, <laughs> for someone that is so we're gonna do it like the really curious the gleam giveaway we're gonna have links on our website all the all the participant companies uh, are going to push and promote it on their social meets uh, but once we get it set up it's going to be one of those gleams where you register and then the more you go and you know like mission first tactical like defiant munitions on instagram or go visit their website you're going to get more entries kind nice. of deal so uh, that's how you're going to do it. More details we'll be putting out on um, social media, on the podcast, once we get everything out there. But, again, it's going to start September, so 1st of September uh, through the entire month. Uh, and then we will announce the winner on the October's edition of Talking Lead Podcast. Nice. So listen. That's how we do it here. You, you listen, you participate, and you win. On the Talking Lead podcast. Sounds easy. All right? Yeah. It's so easy. And it costs them what, Chad? Nothing. But time. Yeah. But your time. A little effort to go and show love to all our sponsors, all our friends of the show. Was that Matt? Maybe an email address. Maybe an email address. You know, you know. But I mean, yeah, that's, so that's, even, even if Adrian was eligible, he still can't do it because he doesn't have, he he doesn't have time. No. Oh, yeah. he doesn't have time. <laughs> this is the this is the most free time he'll have for the rest yes. of the year. This is I'm, I'm enjoying sitting right now. This is like an eighty thousand dollar podcast of, of <laughs> Adrian's is. time it is. right now. So this is the most expensive podcast I've ever done, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, in my ten years. Facts, <laughs> no doubt. Hey there, Leadhead Brigade. Lefty here with some important news for you. Forecasters from the University of Arizona warn that 2023 will be a very active hurricane season and they're asking people to get prepared. They're expecting the number of major hurricanes this year to be similar to 2017, which saw the extremely intense and damaging hurricanes that we all heard about, Harvey, Irma, and that nasty old Maria. How bad can it get? Well, when Hurricane Ida hit the Gulf Coast, it destroyed countless homes and left many without access to food, clean water, millions lost power. Most didn't have power for weeks. The floods that followed the hurricane washed out the roads, made it impossible for grocery stores to restock their shelves. Families were left hungry and desperate, waiting for help that was slow to arrive. But what if you didn't have to be reliant on the government, FEMA, your neighbor, grocery stores during these crises? The answer is simple. Be prepared with emergency food kits from 4Patriots. Their long-lasting, delicious food options are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it the most. 4Patriots survival food kits are hand-packed in the USA. They last 25 years. They come packed inside covert storage totes. They include a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. They've even got some snacks that are tasty. And they're backed by thousands of five-star customer reviews. Just go check out their website, 4Patriots.com, and read them for yourself. 4Patriots Survival Food is not just for natural disasters, because in today's world of uncertain supply chains and unpredictable emergencies, it's more important than ever to have a backup plan. Whether it's a temporary power outage, a winter blizzard, or rising food costs, which we're all feeling that these days, right? You can rest easy knowing that you have a reliable source of food to see you through it. And right now, you can go to 4Patriots.com and use this exclusive code, LEADHEAD, 
all caps, LEADHEAD, one word, to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, not just their food kits. So go check them out, 4Patriots.com. Use the code LEADHEAD to get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriots Survival Food. That's 4Patriots.com, guys. Use the code LEADHEAD and get that 10% off. Uh, but Adrian, I know that you are busy, and I really appreciate you you taking the time to be on. Would you happen to have time for the new guy questions? New guy, new guy, new guy. And sometimes girl questions. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Because yeah. you are new you are questions. a new guy. This is your yep. first time on the yeah, sure. on the podcast. I have this, this. Literally, I have no clue what you're going to ask me. None. Yep. This is perfect. And I, and I don't have a team of people around me to give me head nods around. <laughs> so. yes, Here's yes. this is the crazy thing. Your dad has already been on the podcast and yeah. answered these questions. Awesome. That's, that's wild. I, I only hit him with a couple though. I didn't hit him with the full because we were at my the favorite. Show. My favorite one. I don't know. I don't know if you heard this, Adrian. He asked him like what. If you could have anything, yeah, no laws, money, you know, money be damned, whatever. What would you want? And your dad answered. He said, "Laws be damned, money be damned." He said, "A boat." A boat. (laughs) Really? He said, "He's." he's I was like, "George, you could buy a boat company." Like, (laughs) what do you mean a boat? Well, that's that's so the reason for that. So he needs a boat and a crew uh, because we had a boat growing up, and as soon as and it was. My my brother, my mom, my sister—they didn't like to be on the water. It was they, you know, they dreaded going out there. But I loved it, and my dad loved it. And so I was I was his, you know, deck mate, and I would handle the lines and move everything around, and got to where I could maneuver it. And uh, as soon as I left for college, then of course, you know, the primary assistance in it kind of went away, and then yeah. the boat ended up getting sold. So it's he needs a boat and a crew. For that. Okay. Well, I think he was okay. probably just assuming that you guys would be his crew. So. Yeah. I'd, I'd be happy yeah, to. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm a great deckhand. Yeah. Whoever sure. has a boat, crank out the, the grandchildren, and I'll get a bigger boat. Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. That's his incentive to get yeah. into getting grandchildren is to buy a boat. <laughs> uh, but that's one of the questions. So we'll we'll come back to that uh, for you. So the first one is, what is your earliest recollection of shooting a firearm? Oh boy. And what was it? Um. It was probably the Grendel SRT, and we were shooting it at a berm in the woods. Grendel? As how old were you? Five, maybe. Talk about- I, I remember just laying down and and uh, aiming it at, at, at a big pile of sand and then squeezing the trigger, and then big old bang. Was, that was... I think and then, Matt- and then And then I got, you know, as a small kid, now I got, like, an aversion to to those things so then we scaled down to 22 lr so it's like that's the biggest and here's the smallest and then that was nice i was like oh that's not scary at all i don't know maybe that method to his madness i know introduction of firearms to kids across across the spectrum varies but we didn't we didn't i don't think we started small earliest recollection of course is the big bang for me it was right. like wow that was just nice. get the initial Outrageous. shock out of the way yeah and then show you that it it gets better yeah then i try this one here it's no bang i was like this is awesome this is great. No recoil, nothing. So it was, it was kind of from made there. you appreciate yeah, that that absolutely. smaller one a little better. Yes, I feel like Matt has Matt came across pictures of that. So I've the earliest I've held a um, a firearm, and I don't have any recollection. I was teeny tiny. I was sure. dressed up in like little kid baby. I think I may have been one. And I just had like a M4 laying on my lap or something, something fun like that. <laughs> so it was, that was that's probably the earliest. There's pictures of that. There's pictures of that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. So uh, obviously we you know we talked about your military you do have military background um, give us a little more detail about 
about your military background. Sure. Um, so I went to college in the Naval Academy in Annapolis, um, graduated in 2007. Um, so, you know, growing up, loved airplanes because we traveled to Sweden a lot. So very fascinated with with aviation and then, you know, having a boat, loved it, the boating and being on the sea. So I kind of combined the two. Um, it wasn't really for me, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think about going into the family business off, off the get-go. I was really interested in, in military and, and military lifestyles. And that, for my entire family, on my Swedish side, they're all career military men. Oh, and, okay. and was heavily exposed to that. In firearms design, um, George would often read books on, you know, combat rifles and had books in his libraries all about this right. stuff. So I'd read this stuff. Um, and then he was also really big on aviation and had lots of books on airplanes. And that's kind of where I trended myself. And most people probably don't know this, but he originally wanted to be in an aviation uh, style military service, but he didn't qualify. In Sweden, the, the, um, the vetting process was very intense. They may have like eight jets and maybe a thousand people want to fly. Them, they, had you know? two, they had two <laughs> ships back <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> two boats. so, so the, sta the standard for passing was very high in, in America. You know, obviously we have our entire military force was, which is completely different than what the Swedes have. So there's more of a shot for me. So, so I kind of like obsessed over that and wanted to fly, learn how to fly real early. Um, I actually flew airplanes before I drove a car. And that's, that's been my singular focus was to, to be in, in the armed services, particularly the Navy, and to go naval aviation. And I uh, was fortunate enough to get to the process to where I could do it and then started flight training in Pensacola. Uh, then I went over to Whiting Field in Milton, which is just next to Pensacola. I got um, selected for tail hook, which, which basically means you're going to fly the, the F-18s or the E-2, anything that lands on aircraft carrier. Mm -hmm. uh, went over to Meridian, Mississippi, and in that one there's another vetting process, and there they divided us up. There's four of us. Two guys went to uh, Hornets and two guys went to E2s. And that was me. I was with the E2 guys. And uh, so kind of, it was kind of a bummer because I wanted to fly tactical fighters, but is what it is. You're kind of giving the hand you're yeah. dealt with. And then went over to Corpus Christi, learn how to find, fly multi-engine turbo uh, prop aircraft. And then over to Virginia Beach. Like King Airs and things yep, like that. Yep. We did like a King Air there. So basically just to teach you how to handle asymmetric thrust, single engine emergencies, and, right. and understanding a large format aircraft. Went over to Virginia Beach, and uh, we went to the FRS, which is the Fleet Replacement Squadron. Uh, learned how to fly the E-2C, which there's about eight on the line there. They're trainer aircraft, and you have yourself, the instructor, and then you have a crew in the back. And this airplane is an airborne command and control platform. So the way it works is that you fly into a battle space, you scan the area around it, and primarily for air defense measures, you can pick out the bad guys, and then you would then uh, do tactical ATC to get the the fighters to lock onto the targets and then shoot them down. So we basically are the quarterback of the battle space in the air. Right. That, that role's transition a little bit for some ground management, um, and it's even improved more with the introduction of the, the D model, the Delta model, but uh, then that thing is... is wild in terms of technology and much of it is classified but i will say that uh great great time out there we did uh you know obviously we did oef a bunch uh we did counter uh, piracy operations so back in 2010 11 you guys read a lot in the news that uh somali pirates had taken over ships and that was kind of yeah. like the big thing in the news well we we shut that down so the, and that's some the role of the u.s navy has been counter piracy for our entire 
uh, history. Uh, for the most part, we did that with the Barbary pirates, and now we did that with Somali pirates. So we're used to how to handle piracy. So we were out there, provide anti-piracy operations. Piracy went away, and then we go back into uh, operating um, OEF. Um, After all of your experience, do you look back and think, or do you regret not being a like a, a tactical fighter pilot? Or did, so can't regret that because you didn't have a choice, right? Right, you didn't have well, a choice. Not, However, not regret it, but is that is that something that you you feel like you're missing in your career? Yeah. Um. So so I have the benefit of hindsight. There was a point where I say yes, absolutely. I, I completely regret not not doing that. However, uh, out of the E two world, I went over and uh, picked up an instructor tour flying the T forty five Goshawk, which is a uh, a variation of the BAE Hawk that the Brits fly. So it's a small attack fighter plane, so single engine, two ejection seats. And basically, I got to experience uh, pretty much everything I wanted to do in an airplane. You know, hygiene maneuvering, uh, nice. air-to-air, air-to-ground, you know, drop, you know, blue training bombs in, in the deserts okay. down in El Okay, so Centro. you did get to Yeah, to we're doing like low-level low flying through the mountains, doing all that stuff. So there's a bit of that. And talking to my buddies who were in, in the, uh, the tactical world, um, it's a very intensive discipline, and I didn't realize most people don't uh, going into that. The the level of dedication, of focus, and in- intensity you bring into to mastering that art in the tactical realm, and um, it, it's a it's a hell of a work. And I'll tell you, I don't necessarily think that that level of tactical expertise is is demanded of pilots within the E2 community. Certainly, there are many that can embrace that and get into that world. Right. But you you generally have the option of just you know you taking off, put the aircraft in the right space flying your mission profile, coming back and landing. And that's, that's your expertise. You, you can get into the tactics side if you want to, but that was never something I wanted to do. But uh, yeah, the, the T-45 was an awesome airplane. And after about four years of flying that, your kind of back hurts a little bit, your neck hurts because you're, you're, you're kind of looking back behind you right. and pulling, pulling Gs out there. So the Tweety Birds. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then after that, I went over and flew the 737, which was basically that's a big uh, difference. Big difference. <laughs> so cool. So you, you got to kind of do it all, really. Yep, I, I'm awesome. very fortunate. I've flown multiple platforms, and and now I'm just renting airplanes on the side to keep the skills fresh. Nice. So I um uh, civilian side, you know, pilot. Wait, one quick question. I have to ask all pilots: this. Have you ever flown rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was I was so, going to do another one of those kind yeah, of yeah. So so uh, the C forty was a cargo airplane, and we were trying to joke to get like a box of rubber dog shit. <laughs> so I, and we did do a mission to Hong Kong. We landed there, you and, did, and we're dude. like, we're asking, "Hey, can we find some rubber dog shit?" I want to at least say I've flown rubber dog <laughs> shit right? in Hong Kong. That's so, awesome. But that yes, awesome. I've flown out of Hong Kong with people, but not rubber dog shit. And when people call you a pilot, did you correct them and say naval aviator? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there's a uh, there's there's like micro cultures within naval aviation. Uh, where the pilots are happy to be called pilots, but there's uh, NFO naval flight officers who do kind of stop and you know naval aviator, which they are. They're part of the naval aviation um, yeah. thing. But uh, pilots, I've never heard of a guy correct somebody. That, I'm a pilot. I'll, I'll just fly Tom something. Cruise in, in Top Gun, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. He's he's taken a lot of liberties with with the culture. You know, Hollywood is a little bit different than real life. Yeah, yeah. Great movie though. It's one of my all time favorite movies. Love Top Gun. Um, so um, to build my hours, I used to um, fly with the maintenance guys because you know they would do the maintenance and they'd have to take them up for maintenance flights and and do that. So uh, I worked at an FBO, and uh, whenever they would take maintenance flights, you know, I would buy them dinners, you know, or whatever, just to to get. Uh, to get the hours and uh we took this king air up one time and um it was a they were working on the props the propellers 
and uh, I can't remember the altitude or anything, but one of the the blades, the props came off, and it came up through the. It's not good. No, it wasn't good at all. So, what's what's one of the most memorable like pucker factor moments in your oh, piloting good career? Good question. So we were on a mission um, in Afghanistan, and and we we're we just got in country, and um, the day was really unremarkable, kind of hazy, tan hazy, which is unusual for the North Arabian. Generally, you get that over land, but it was. As we were transiting over there to Afghanistan, it was a little bit uh, of a hazy day. No big deal. Uh, we get in country, and then they immediately call us back, which is that's kind of like a – like Yeah, just that's unusual. All right, well, let's turn around and come back. Right. Um, as we're going back, the, it got a little bit more hazy, a little bit more tan, a little bit more hazy, more tan. And then now we're feet wet. We know we're feet wet, but you can't see the ground anymore. It's just, just like just this tan haze everywhere below us. Well, you come to find out. Uh, that there was a massive sandstorm over Saudi Arabia that blew into the North Arabian. Ooh. Massive sandstorm. And, if, and, and I, we're, you know, hundreds of miles off the coast, but it was a massive sandstorm at sea, which at this point right now, they're calling everybody back to the, the aircraft carrier. Now, all the fighters, uh, F-18s uh, we had on there, uh, they can do an auto landing. They, mm-hmm. The airplane, you can set it up and you can just hold on and it'll come in and land for you. Not the E-2. The E-2 is a... There's no fly-by-wire on this. It's, uh, you know, direct hydraulics that go to the control systems. You're flying, you know, both motors turn in the same direction. Right. So you add power. Now you have to do a counter correction with the rudders. So we're, we're 100% manual flying, and we're starting our descent to come and land. Now they're calling this a case three recovery, which is just fancy word for saying no visual approach. It's going to be you're flying needles like an ILS mm-hmm. instrument landing system all the way down to touchdown. Again, no big deal. We do that at night all the time. So as we're coming down uh, – we're, we're doing our approach. We're three-quarter miles, and generally say, hey, three-quarter miles, call the ball. And you're supposed to see the Fresnel lens out there. There's no ball. Roger They're, ball. Exactly. <laughs> That's what the LSOs say. You're like, negative ball. No, they say, uh, three-quarter mile, call the ball, uh, clear a ship, which is like clarify where the ship is. I don't see anything. I can't see the ground. I can't see the sky. It's all just completely tan. And so the paddles come over there. The landing sails say continue. So you just keep flying your needles down there. And we continue and continue. Don't see nothing. And then, you know, they call wave off. Apparently, we're over the ship, and then we just add power and fly away. Right. Nothing. Now, interestingly Can't enough, this it. whole thing's on YouTube. You can actually oh, look yeah? it up. Yep. The, the E2 Sandstorm Landing, that's that's the one I'm in. So um, so we go around, we'll and, and now we went all the way to Afghanistan back. The other thing about this model, E2, can't aerial refuel. So we only got the gas that's in our airplane. So it's And there's no divert. We're at sea. We're not going to make it anywhere. So it's either make it on the carrier or we run out of gas and bail out over snake-infested waters, which – I know they're snake infested because we saw the we saw them. You uh, saw dirt, dirt, flying dirt, over yeah, the sea, sea snakes in the water. So, uh, so no big deal. We go around, we come around again, and uh, we try it one more time, and we get a little bit closer. This time the ship breaks out, but we're not in a safe position to land. So we go around again, and um, so two flybys, two flybys, and of course gas is continuing to go down. Yeah. At this point, right now, you know we're both starting to sweat. There's two pilots in here, we're both starting to sweat. Um, come around third time. Um, this one here, we're in the best position to land, but they called a wave off anyway. And and for Navy pilots, they hit this little pickle switch and the lights turn red. And they generally tell you, nope, don't land. There's an unsafe condition or you're not in a safe position to land. You know, everybody in here now, mostly fear factor going here is like, I'm almost going to run out of gas. And now they gave me the wave off light. And there was a split second where we thought, let's ignore it and keep landing. Did you Did you say... We've got no fuel for this, Mav. No. 
<laughs> no, no. So they and everybody's now. It's it's not just us with a pucker factor. The entire ship is aware of our situation. We're the E two. We can't refuel. Um, there's a crew of five aboard. There's no safe way to do a recovery. But in the they Sansa. can't let you land because you They're, know they the, they you got saw, the whole they saw something the where, at risk if you do correct. They saw something where they didn't think we were safe to land, so they wave us off. So we go up again for pass number four, and I got enough gas for two more tries. And and so what they're trying to do is they're they're trying to vector us around for a short uh, approach because they're like, all right, let's get them around and back into a landing profile as quickly as possible right. to maybe give them a, four, a few more attempts. At this point right now, I they come over the radio and say, hey, you know, you, you need to fly the needles, keep focusing. What they don't know is that our needles were starting to disconnect in close. They just go away, and then they come back. Oh. And then they go away and come back. They don't know those details out there. And it wouldn't help them to know because then they just get more – Right. Uh, nervous, especially the admiral that's on board the ship, who's now thinking, "Crap, I should have just diverted them to Kandahar," which is what we're thinking. Crap, why didn't they divert us to Kandahar at the time? Yeah, you had it was, fuel, it was, but it now was you beautiful. Don't. It was we had plenty of gas and it was a nice runway. Um, we could have gone to Kandahar, but they didn't. They brought us back. All right, we're coming down the fourth pass, and uh, I think they had a discussion amongst themselves, thinking that was a dumb idea to wave them off. Let's just let them try and see what happens. Put the nets up. Well, we're not at the nets yet. Um, I think I think uh, maybe the next one they probably put the nets up, but <laughs> but for this one here, we came in, we we started our approach. I asked for a longer hook so that we can have more time to kind of have the airplane stabilize, get our descent rates right. Because basically, with the ILS popping on and off, we just had to focus on um, and against the steam gauges. There's nothing digital. This is a World War II cockpit, so you got your your VSI on needle, and we're just trying to keep that at 600 feet per minute down and be as precise as possible on the glide slope. We got close, three quarter mile, call the ball, clear ship, continue, and you have your, your landing light on. So generally what the LSOs will see is that as the aircraft is approaching you, there'll be like a bloom within the sand. Right. And then as as it gets brighter, then you'll see the light, and then they'll tell you if you're high or low or, or you know, add power or whatever. That's so, just insane. A, a sandstorm at sea. Yeah, I know. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> it's unreal. So we're coming in, we're getting close, and now, you know, I'm looking outside the carrier appears low and right. So what you'll see in the video, because there's the plaque cam that shows what you see, you'll see the airplane take a hard right, a hard left, and kind of left on land on the left landing gear, right landing gear, catch a wire and stop. And you can briefly see, you know, the paddles there, everybody's jumping down and down cheering. And, and like, we're, we're like sitting here, we feel the deceleration, we stopped and all right, we're not gonna, we're, we're sitting there like shaking. and. I took a moment to sit there. A commanding officer met us up there. They gave everybody a hug. Here's everybody like, was – I'm sure the pucker shit. factor on these guys because all their careers are flashing before their eyes. But for us, we're like, man, I don't want to go swimming with sea snakes in a sandstorm. <laughs> so they, they had to clean <laughs> out their the shorts. crash on deck than <laughs> yeah. swim with the snakes. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was that. And we got outside. We looked at the airplane. The thing was just like mud caked on it. All, all the surfaces where there's weep holes for oil, it would just look like we just went through like – like a you know a redneck thing in the mud, like mud, the whole thing was mud, mud in an yeah, airplane. Yeah, in the airplane, and you couldn't see the other end of the ship in the sandstorm. It was that intense? It was, wow. and it's like and this, this is on YouTube. You said, yeah, it's on YouTube. Okay, yeah, you it, can look at a E two sandstorm landing. E two sandstorm landing. I think the uh, this the guy that hosted is J J Wow or J Weezy up there. I think that's his channel. But yeah, you'll see a few attempts made. Okay, that's Thank awesome. That that is a pucker. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. All oh, the yeah. comms are on there too. And the biggest thing you have to remember, you need to be cool on the radio. You can't sound panic. Can't sound right. That's the first thing to tell you. Last words of Bug Roach, who was a famous LSO before he died, ejecting. He's like, All right, boys, I'm gonna hit the silk. I'll see you guys in the bar. Nice and calm. He was having massive problems with the airplane. But you have to sound cool on the radio. Wow. No matter what's happening to you. Yeah. Wow. So we're 
thinking about that when we're radio. I remember, yeah, I remember that um, when you watch some of the old NASA footage of the, you know, like Buzz Aldrin and all those guys up there and they're having all those problems and Mm -hmm. just how calm. Yeah. They were always sounding during that. That's how they're bred from from a young age. You try to stay as calm as possible. Yeah. That's a good, that's probably the best pucker factor story i've ever heard well there's there's other guys are like yeah i'm being shot at by the iraqis as missile trails flying left to right (laughs) different pucker factors different yeah Yeah. everybody's got everybody's got a story i'm sure hey matt was that battery okay yeah okay wow okay going a lot longer it only said it had like an hour on it we've been doing an hour is that what it is okay (laughs) it's down to one bar yeah let me get let me change battery and then we'll sweet that's a great story i I don't think i've ever heard that one so um anything about anything else about your military career you want to you want to add um and thank you for your service oh no worries thank you um it was just a great time um i loved it a lot a lot of really good memories there um a lot of great adventures um certainly this this job that I have now, there's a lot of adventures in there too. A little, kind of more stable than the military side, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm still in the reserves. I'm Lieutenant Commander. I, I drill still, okay. um, once, once a month. And, uh, you know, just like, what is your primary job right now? Well, it's, I'm waiting for World War III to happen, which, you know, it's around the corner. Yeah. Right? It's, I, I don't want to hear that, but yeah. So no, it's, it's great. It's a great institution. I enjoy it very much. Very good. So, uh, next question. I want to ask you more about the military, but we could be here all day doing yes, that. Yes, we can. I'm sure you got some great stories. We'll talk off air on those. Um, what, when it comes to pop culture, what is your go-to, what's your jam, where you just, this is where I sit back and I relax and I'm just, I'm enjoying the, the hell out of this, where it be a movie, a TV show, a book, uh, music, video game, you know, whatever it may be. Wow. So pop culture is kind of like a smorgasbord of everything. And it really depends what I'm in the mood for. So, you know, lately I've been uh, looking at a lot of stuff on on YouTube regarding, you know, natural stuff, uh, you know, folks that survive in the woods, those type of channels. Survivalist Um, kind of stuff. Survivalist kind of stuff, the different techniques out there. So. I kind of like that because there's a SEER school. Again, bring it back to the military. We go to SEER school, which they kind of give you a two-week course on, hey, you get shot down in enemy territory. How do you survive? You know, what do you do? How do you catch animals? How do you eat? And there's a lot of good survivalist stuff on there, um, some bad stuff, but lots of good stuff. Um, that's that's one thing. Um, lately, I've been I've on the video game side, I've picked up Red Dead Redemption, and that's the I, Western one, right? Yeah, okay. and Red Dead Redemption Two, and I've I've been paying a lot of focus on act- the the firearms in there. They have a really good modeling of the firearms. Um, in fact, um, just the way they are used and operated. Um, just trying to get my head head around that. And the only reason, one, it's it's a good story, but two, there there's a a lot of attention to detail in that video game. And lately, the video games have been a communication to you know other audiences and our sure. our firearms have been in video games um i know like, like call of duty with call the ksg yeah. um you know the p50 has been been in uh, a couple of video games ksg's been in uh john wick too it has so the movies so just you know seeing how you know 
programmers are interpreting these these weapon systems because I have in my head a baseline ballistic knowledge and and the mechanics of of this um, of the the functions of these firearms, but how they're portrayed in video games. Um, I remember there was a time that we got a warranty call because the uh, the KSG in Call of Duty wasn't shooting fast enough. It's like, <laughs> I was like, all right, man. That's funny. Yeah, people. someone called and complained. Was like, like, hey, your shotgun's not shooting fast enough in Call of Duty. It's like, well, you may have to talk to you know, act, <laughs> whoever, Activision on that. But, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's one side of it. Um, the other thing I do, which, which, is, which is an odd hobby, is um, paramotoring. So, you know, in, uh, in the mountains, you can have these, like, collapsible wings that inflate. Um, they're ram air inflated systems, and you can use thermal air to keep you going. Um, in Florida, everything's flat, so I strap on a motor to myself, and off I go. And it's a really cool experience. It's like a flying motorcycle. Um, okay. You, you can go anywhere you want Is that where to. the motor's behind you, and you're sitting, yep. like, in a lawn chair? And yes. <laughs> yes. Kind of deal? I'm 100 because these ass fans are, yes. <laughs> they're, they're about brand new. They're about as much as, like, a dirt bike, and they're awesome. Two-stroke motors, but... You know, you go out there. You go. So you fly those? I do. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they're, they're they're fun as fun as hell. Um, great way to fly. Uh, I mean, oh a fart would gosh, would blow one dude. of those things over. Yes, a strong fart. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm watching the E2 landing. Oh, are you watching? How it? you guys landed? I have no <laughs> idea. You cannot. So there's a camera perspective. It just looks like you're looking at a white screen. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the plane just appears yeah. out of nowhere on the deck. You're yeah. like, we should have, we should have, <laughs> as they were listening to your story, we should say, hey, bring that video up and watch this uh, video yeah. while he's telling the story. I should, I should have probably narrated. So it rewind, guys, rewind, go <laughs> watch this video and then listen to his story, and then that pucker factor is going to make sense. Dude, that's crazy yeah. to you. Yeah, no man. Doubt. But wow. Red Dead Redemption—that's okay, one that I've been thinking about getting into. I haven't yet. And yeah. Obviously, it's going to be the, you know, the the Western. Yeah, wheel guns so, and lever so actions, and what's what's really interesting about this game that the programmers spent a tremendous amount of time researching the the firearms that existed in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And um, you, when you go to a gun store, you actually pull out a gun catalog, and you go through it like you would in the 1800s, and you look at the the you know performance of these firearms, and you, it's a really good way to learn the historical aspect of this stuff. And, and I know there's probably, I'm thinking to myself, because I've met a tremendous amount of people in my travels who are obsessed about older style handguns, revolvers, uh, varmint rifles, 22LR, 22 Lever mag, actions, yeah. all those things. And I was like, man, this game would pro probably be something they'd be interested in seeing, but they'd have to go and get it. There, it's for the PlayStation 4 and 5, and there's also a computer Xbox, thing. I'm exactly. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I love the attention they put into the firearms. and the, the, the That's uh, what a lot of people yeah. don't appreciate about I guess video games because they think this, you know, again, childish and for kids. And, right. But there's a lot of education that they've started to put into yes. these video games, you know, historical, yes. factual information yep. that goes along with these, um, these video games like Assassin's Creed. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of great historical yeah. and, you know, they recreate the landscapes to exactly the way it you know, was yeah. back in the, the days. And, you know, the like you said, the firearms and in, in modern warfare, Call of Duty, the detail and um, the realism that they put in those firearms. I mean, yep. you could learn a lot. You from sure that, can. So. And, and Red Dead Two is a great example of of it being done right. Really good. Um, I they, I don't know who was their advisor on this, but that guy was awesome um, with with everything because you have to maintain the, your firearms too. You can't just shoot them off and and 
they're going to wear down. So you right. actually have your character get about and use gun oil and you clean it. You actually see yourself clean. You can actually look at it three dimensions, turn it around, kind of aim it and, and kind of yeah. handle it like you would in a gun store. And it, it was, and you have like the whole world of gun knowledge back in, in the late 1800s. So you'll see Mausers in there and, you, oh, and cool. you'll like the early semi-autos that appear in there and they have their little, little bars of how much firepower and range also. I don't know. Sure. That kind of is hokey, but you know, <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a really great thing. So I had a, I did an episode a couple of years ago and I had a, a video game developer on that does like the modern call of duty stuff that designs the weapons for that. It was a very interesting uh, episode talking to him and how they gather the data and uh, input it into, and, and to bring that realism out. But I love that they care enough to do it in that detail. That's, that shows a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Music. What's your, what's your jam? Oh, let's see. <laughs> Actually, like if I'm, if I'm going anywhere, if I'm in Wyoming, I'm throwing on Marty Robbins. Okay. So, so the, the plan is old in Rock Springs. Yeah, old style country. Plants in Rock Springs. I'll fly over to Salt Lake City and drive two hours through through the Sister Valley over there, and you know it transitions from like the Alpine Mountains to the the Old West style mountains. And you know Marty Robbins' Radio on Pandora is what I listen to for that. If I'm Florida side and I'm just cruising, I'm, I have the '80s going. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll listen to '80s and some '90s. Uh, my kids are really into, and it's not bad. It, they're really into like this, like uh, electronic stuff, like um, Alan Walker um, is, not a, is an sure artist. Who that is? Yeah, he yeah. he does some some very new stuff. That's not bad, but that's that's not usually my go-to. But you know, you that's, gotta listen to it when the kids are around. Yeah, right? I do. Yeah. I have to listen to it when the kids are around. But the '80s, if I'm Florida side, and if I'm in the mountains, is Marty Robbins. Or if I'm if I'm smoking me, I'll throw on Marty Robbins. I feel like the he sings the meat to a better taste. How did you How did you get hooked on Marty Robbins? That's that's just a um, out there it's kind a, of it's thing. a really big out there I think I was somewhere and there was an old song playing and I was like who sings this this, this sounds it just happened to be at the right place right time it just the, the mood just was right, right. And it was there's Marty Robbins and I was like oh interesting so that's the I just funny went, thing about music is yeah. it, it just depends on because right place right time exactly. what mood you're in and it hits you a certain exactly way. and I, I like to put you know cultural nuances to the places I'm in so Florida just to me Seems like 1980s yeah. music, like out Miami west, Vice. Miami Vice, out <laughs> west, like yeah, Vice City game. You know they have all that music. I just feel like that's the theme song to Florida. When I'm out west, it's Marty Robbins. But yeah, it was it was I was at this one place. I overheard it, so I was like, yeah, this is Marty Robbins. So I just Marty Robbins, Pandora go. Um, so I listened to that. Another thing, I don't know, very circumstantial. Like I'll put on like sea shanties while I'm like on a boat, like yacht so, rock. Yes, yeah, yacht rock, and I didn't realize that was the thing. But my my yacht cousin rock from is my jam. Yeah, so my my uh, cousin from Sweden came in, and I just had like uh, old Maui playing, which is like a, a, a sea shanty out there. And he's like, "Oh, I know this. I work out to this." I'm like, "You do?" Is like, "Yeah, everybody. They're all listening to these sea shanties now." Like, <laughs> like there's another one, uh, the Wellerman. You know that yeah. that song's going pretty popular. Um, and and I just. Again, I you know I'm so at it just sea depends on the what surf, you're yeah. doing, where you're at. Yeah, Dude, my my professional background is music, and I am completely lost right now in this conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so you're still watching that video. Another thing I'd like to do. So Florida is. I don't know what you're talking about. Any of these people, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Flor- Florida is really big on it, very intense thunderstorms, and and something I like to do. I'll throw on Metallica or Disturbed, 
while the most intense storm is happening while I'm sitting in the back porch. Okay, now having, I know what that is, obviously. Yeah, having a, you know, a bourbon or something, just watching lightning explode everywhere. It's pretty oh, intense yeah. storms out here, but that just marries right up to that music, too. Nice. So, What's your all-time favorite movie? Ooh. First thing just came to mind, what was it? I would say Count of Monte Cristo. The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, so... I can't remember. I've heard of it, but I can't remember. It was a movie that was out a while ago. Basically, it was the guy that played, I'm bad with names on this, but the guy that played, you know, Jesus on on, uh, the Mel Gibson movie. The Mel Gibson, that actor, prior to making that one, he made this movie called The Count of Monte Cristo. And this is a great story of uh, um, just this dude that got screwed over, like, by every imagination in jail and. And it's this big redemption story. It's 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 kind of like what's it set in? What? It, it's set in the, um, I guess, the late 1700s France. Okay. And gotcha. this dude gets screwed over by his best buddy. The dude, his best buddy, not only screws him over, but then takes his his wife, his girlfriend, <laughs> like just does in the dirtiest way imaginable. And this guy is able to. He made a but you know not to spoil, but I highly recommend it. If you like Shawshank Redemption, you'll like this movie. Okay, it's, I, I like redemption stories. So it's a redemption. It's a redemption thing. And Red Dead Redemption. Kind, yeah, kind of, <laughs> yeah. But it's not a redemption for him morally. It's a redemption for him. He's always been a good guy, and he 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 had to go and and come out of he it. He finally gets a break. He got a break. Deal. He got out of it, and he had to go let go of his his good guy side to embrace a little bit of. I'm going to get these people back who screwed me so bad. Got to play it's, a little it's, dirty. It's yeah. just a little bit dirty, and it shows how he gets back, and he comes out. I'll have to watch that. I've never watched that. Well, Count of Monte Cristo. I'll add that to my, my playlist, definitely. Um, what is your next gotta have, wanna have, as soon as you have the opportunity, the time, you're going to go out and you're going to get it. It could be anything. Um, hmm. Well, I probably would get a uh, – a small airplane. Okay. Um, like a, like a an, Cessna or like something? A, like an SR-22. The thing that's holding an me back. SR-22? Yeah, it's it's a Cirrus aircraft, ge- Generation 6. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So I was thinking of the Lockheed the Martin. Blackbird. Yeah, no, and it's... <laughs> SR-71. Yeah. That's SR-71, SR-71 yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah, so the SR-22, but 22. the problem with that is you got hangar fees and there's not hangars available, but um, just, just to have something that I can go take the family down to... Uh, um, it's not like a twin West. engine? No, it's a single motor. Or it has single. a little integrated parachute in it. Um, and by family, he means me and Matt. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or do, do business trips with it. Um, Absolutely. But uh, that would that would be a, a good one um, to do. But there's, you know, the logistics of it. And then, of course, you know, in my head, it's like, I got to have it. I want it real bad. But, you know, how often am I going to use it? Is it going to sit in a hangar too much? So generally what keeps me from getting it is is um, just the practicality, practicality. at this point in my life. Yeah, um, you're too practical, man. Yeah. It's the military in you. Yeah. It's too like, practical. If I get it, it's going to sit a lot. Um, no, what's, what is like, as soon as I've got the time, this is like I'm buying this. Not something other than that. Hmm. Don't think practical. It's just like this hmm. is going to happen. I'm buying this. Maybe it's maybe it's a new CD from somebody or it's a, a new car. Or, Did you, you say know. CD? Yeah, yeah, CD. I don't think people buy CDs anymore. Well... You know what I mean. You can't buy a new you vehicle. You download it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to buy those anymore. A new album. New album. Yeah, you're going to go buy a new album. People do buy those. Those are coming back albums. Yeah. They have been back for that's, a while. That's uh-huh. hard. That's hard to think about. You know, there's... That's weird. That, Maybe it's a new grill for the house or something like that. Or. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. All right. Now, so I so I do think about things and it, it, it passes my mind. I, I don't tend to obsess about 
something that I really, really want or need at this moment. It's been, let's see with the house. Um, hmm, man. Maybe so, some improvement to the house you're going to do. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Yeah, one. come back to that. That's we'll hard. come back I've, to that. I've, so we'll, we'll do this one now. So laws be damned, money be damned. <laughs> what would you do or own? Anything. Laws be damned. Money be damned. Money be damned. Um, Can't say a boat. No, no, it's not a boat. Your dad already took that. Uh, probably, probably a uh, a a flying uh, weapons turret to okay. go hog hunting with. So, so I would want to have it's something like a C one thirty one with all the guns. In yeah, it. so like a, just like a drone that I can strap on a targeting system on it that I can then go fly with a thermal optic on it into into the woods and hunt with that. So okay. laws be damned. So I was like, all right, I want to go. Laws want, be damned. Yeah. yeah. Money so be damned. I want to go. I want to go over and, and go deer hunting. So I sit back, you know, in my truck that has a thing. Drone goes up, just kind of hover around. I see a little white spot. Zoom in. Yep, that's a deer. Bam, it's down. I go out Boom. Yep. From the drone. Or uh, or hogs. I think and those I prob- exist already. They they probably do, but you know, laws they- be damned. I can't get one. <laughs> so um, and uh, make I, it a make it a heavy lift drone. So you shoot it and, and then I can you can scoop it out of there, yeah. Right. <laughs> Instead um, of having to pack it out. Yes. Yeah. Lift but, it but out. But again, I, I do enjoy just traditional hunting as well. The the one thing I probably boar boar hunting I would go out and, and use because that's an invasive species here in Florida. Yeah. And just to fly around and just just tag just take uh, them out. Just take out an entire herd of those. You get things. one of those that does like multiple targets. Exactly. And it just pop pop pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoy I enjoy very much the field of fork kind of kind of thing so oh. for the deer for the deer hunting i would it would probably mess the meat up pretty good if i did that caltech caltech mini mini gun drones you, you get mini one gun. of get that, one of those is and that you a, mount that on a there you go have like a nice like hard Which we can't talk about but yeah. we haven't talked about that yet no we haven't talked about that yeah uh, we'll get through these questions okay i'm a hunter too i like hunting too so uh deer hunting and hog hunting just like i said just to eradicate yep just uh, just yeah but I like the the thrill of the hunt and actual Stalking. me doing it yeah. and yeah you know, that kind of thing. Um, all right, next question. That was the. Is there any anything maybe a piece of kit or a firearm? It, it could be something else that maybe you're a little bit ashamed to admit that you own. Maybe like, a little guilty pleasure that you know, not a lot of people know about. You know? Yeah. Taurus curve. If people knew that about me, <laughs> I love man. That I have a, yeah, I have a Chinese made a AK seventy four in my office, and I and I like it. What? Well, that's like you're a hero, dude. That's not anything to be ashamed of. Well, it's no. made in China. Oh, that's perfect. True. <laughs> true. That's okay. That's, I feel embarrassed about that. I should have got like a Russian one. But those so. things are crazy expensive. Those are, ex- yeah, yeah. That's that's like everybody a, wants one. Oh yeah, it's like a holy grail, dude. Yeah, <laughs> really. And that's in your office. Yeah, it sits there on the wall. I, I got to see it, that yeah. before we leave. Absolutely. I got to see that before sure. we leave. Yeah. That's so I do this segment. You don't know this, but I do this monthly segment. It's called the Tongue AK Corner, okay. and all we talk about are AKs. Sweet. So that's why my eyes just went. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you got a Chinese AK. I, I like American-made stuff. Um, well, of course. Too. And if and if I'm thinking AK stuff, I'm like, let's just go straight to Russia for that. And True. this this kind of land in my lab was a Chinese Chinese-made one, but but the it, the Chinese the Chinese are masters at making other people's stuff. Sure. So you know um, they do they do the AK well. Have yeah. done the AK well. Um. 
Okay, so there's that question. So the next question is, so do his, you believe? His, so his answer is anything Chinese made that he had that he <laughs> anything owns. Chinese. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. ashamed. <laughs> he's a little bit ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> but we just we just exactly, comforted yeah. you in that Thank that it's you. okay Thank to own that. Thank you. That I feel AK. good now. Um, when it comes to the belief in aliens or Bigfoot, how do you where do you stand on that? It's a funny thing you can have. This now this can and arch, being an this can arch for another hour. <laughs> um, so I never set a time limit on my shows. Yeah, well, since everybody seems to be talking about the news, we have tracked a, a UFO in our plane. Really? Yep, we have tracked one. Um, of course, remember we're a surveillance aircraft. Uh-huh. And we're in North Arabian Sea, which is perfect for finding Anything. UFOs. Yeah, so we found a hovering target at eighty thousand feet, which. Either is a weather balloon, um, but it was completely stationary, just locked into a Latin log that was not moving, not even like 15 knots or anything. Are so, you hitting it with all the different thermals and? Yeah, we're, and it's 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 taking a it's it, there is an object out there that's taking a return into our computer that says there's a contact out there 80,000 feet in a hover. And so what they do is like there's nothing like that, so they delete the return. It could be an error in the computer and it comes right. back. And they're like, all right, they delete it again, it comes back. They're like, okay, so something might be wrong with our computer, so let's turn it off and let's manually track it. And there is something out there at 80,000 feet at a zero, like completely rigid, not moving, like it was on a tall tower locked in place, returning a bounce off of our emissions. Then this thing goes within 10 seconds down to 5,000 feet. 10 seconds. From 80 to 5. Yes, yes. Holy and then it crap. tracks over at 5,000 feet, moving at Mach 3, just one direction. So we um, we call up a couple of Hornets. Now, this is this is on the backside of a mission of Afghanistan. So we're we're getting ready to recover nighttime. At this what year is this? Uh, 2010. 2010. Okay. 2010. And uh, so we're all stacking up um, to get ready to land on the carrier at nighttime. So a lot of people are doing fuel planning stuff. But these two guys just came off mission. They have plenty of gas. So we tell them, hey, can you... Do you see something, you know, you know, three, two, zero, five thousand feet, tracking this high speed target there. They lock it up. It's like, yep, we got it. It's like, what is it? They're just and then they start chasing it down. Um, what were they? What was their description? They just said there's there's a target at five thousand feet and then uh, traveling to Mach three. Did they get actual eyes on or was it all? It was, it was, it was nighttime. And oh, they, okay. they just got it onto their on their um, targeting radar. It wasn't like the one where everybody saw that the black and white one tic tac thing. That's actually their FLIR system that locked it up visually. This was not a visual contact, but it was performing in behaviors that does not exist in terms of technology. Then it stops immediately. Um, it stopped after going Mach three to zero instantly, which would kill any <laughs> organism inside that kind of thing. And right. then it then it moved in another direction towards the carrier. Um, and it then was, it then it, it stopped. Then it, it stops, and then it goes. Zipping right, right up, boom, three, just, like just straight up, and then it, then it's gone and beyond then, any and, altitude yeah, you could track. Exactly. And then we land, and then we we get all our tapes because everything's recorded, and we pass it down to like the combat information system area in the intelligence area, and, and we look at that, and you guys know what this is? No, no, but it's common to see weird stuff like this. And then you just pass it off, and that's it. Then you go on the next day. But there's, I remember sitting down there, we're just kind of staring at each other, going like, "What the hell was that?" Like, and, and of course now you're thinking. This stuff exists. Like, there's, right? There's, there's no bullshit on this. So that was 2010. I mean, and then, there's no way that could have been a manned. No, no human could have been in that. No, if if it was, so, so worst, it's worst a drone case, or I'll tell you how our, our government thinks about this. Um, they would rather have it be extraterrestrials than than another country with that technology. Yeah, because we understand human beings and human nature. We don't 
there could be peaceful aliens out there. We don't know their intention, but we know for sure if there's another country with that technology, that is more dangerous to us than an extraterrestrial. Yeah. Because we know ourselves. Which is why I think they have come out with all this tic tac and, you know, alien stuff. Yeah. UAPs is what they call them. There's they so call many now. observations nowadays. But yeah, I think it's another technology, another country's technology. I don't, I don't think it's alien. Well, if it's that's our, my, that's hopefully, my hopefully it's just our, maybe it's a black budget. Maybe it's a black budget system and, our own. and uh, they, we just don't know about it. And that's, that's that. And that could also, you know, explain secrecy around it too, because if we own this technology, then we don't want everyone to know we have it. And we're like, yeah, aliens, you know, yeah. but it's our own technology. But that's, this was what, 13 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 13 years ago, you saw this. So um, there's some dude sitting in a control room right now going, Hey, you know what? Let's mess with Adrian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mess with he's out there flying. Let's go mess with yeah. him. Yeah. I did you know. get a Did you get an idea of the size of the object? Could no. You, could, could your instruments tell you the the the, the cross section? Generally, would be aircraft size. Um, we wouldn't pick up like a sparrow or bird or a little mini drone or anything like that. Um, yeah. we, that we we wouldn't have the fidelity to figure out the exact dimensions of this and what it does. So but, so. Bigger than a bread box, smaller. Yeah. You, you couldn't. You can't. No, it would be probably the size of size of a C one thirty, at least an automobile. Okay, but probably no bigger than seven forty seven. Gotcha. So something around that size. So, wow. but yeah, well, we're like, yeah, you know, best case it's our technology. Worst case is and their you weren't technology. the only one. They're, they're, they're the whole crew saw this. Everybody saw it. Yeah. Plus the plus the fighter guys. The fighter guys. Yeah. And have any of you come out and and talked about this? Not publicly, no. And and there's enough and better uh, observations of these phenomenon now than what we would have to bring to the communication. But when people ask me, have you experienced this stuff? Okay, yeah, I have. And I kind of talk about the description of it. Yeah. Is that the only one or are there others? That's the only one for me. But I, I know other pilots who I've worked with that have seen stuff come in. Like they'll see the, the ocean kind of bubbling. Then they see a, a shape come out and zip right up into the air. And just be gone. Just be gone. <laughs> Straight up. Wow. Out of the ocean. Here's a scary thing. You guys probably don't realize this. So when you're doing transoceanic flying, either from here to Europe or from here to um, over to uh, Asia, there's a period of time which you get off of the VHF communication frequencies and you go to HF, and that's right. just passively monitored. The aircraft are flying completely disconnected from anything else. There is satellite communication for, like, engines, and you can go and do a sat phone call. But when we hit oceanic flight, we take our headsets off, and uh, we put on a, a movie and we just sit back and just go. And if you turn like on Google Earth and you can orient it right, you see the entire breadth of the Pacific Ocean is like right. one side of the planet. There is we have no clue what's over in there. There's it's not observed. There's no radar over there. There's maybe a ship that has like sightline distance of like five miles. But why is that? It's just there's no way. Why? There's nothing out there to really watch. Why do we want? Because we don't know what's out there. Exactly. But, <laughs> but that's, Because it's, it's the unknown. It's, it's the great unknown, yeah. man. But you'd have to be monitoring it with radars all the time. But there's there's no, no real practical reason to do it. Are there's other countries? I can't imagine why. Maybe some sonar buoys out there to monitor for, you know, submarine stuff. But yeah. having active radar systems, the only people who are going to be doing that are going to be uh, military vessels. But they're not scanning for aliens. They're looking for you know, their aircraft penetrating their, their, you know, yeah, their space, their, their space. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting. Talking lead is the show for exclusives. <laughs> there you go. There you, go. you just, you just heard it here. Uh, you might be getting calls from, from Joe Rogan. You, you know, you, you might be on Joe Rogan. <laughs> oh, <actually>. geez. <laughs> That's a great story. 
Yeah. I like that. Then Adrian gets on. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about Bigfoot? Enough about the aliens. Let's talk about the P-50 Defender. How about Bigfoot? Uh, I I don't know, Bigfoot. That's like, I was the same way about, about, uh, you know, unknown technologies with with aviation and i'm I'm not a big bigfoot guy i don't re, re, didn't research much and it doesn't interest me there you go honestly so it's like I, maybe maybe so if not. i were to organize a bigfoot hunt <laughs> i don't know if i'd go would, would you go because <laughs> no. you're a hunter i'm a hunter but we're not going to kill him we're just it's we're to capture to, yeah it's just to capture. okay well I'll, I'll in my head i'm thinking we're not going to find a bigfoot we'll probably have a good time in the woods that's that's what I think. There I'll you probably go. go for that. And that's the Get purpose outside, of yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah, this exactly. is actually a great excuse to come up with a, a an RFB and 300 wind mag or something. Go on a Bigfoot hunt. <laughs> Bigfoot hunt. Get, yeah. out, get outdoors. Yeah. Uh, sit by a fire. Talk about Bigfoot. But you, you didn't really answer whether you believe in aliens or not. Oh, I see. I see. Um, I think it's more likely than not. If if you had to put a gun to my head, do you believe? I'll probably say yes. Yeah. It, it's based off what I've seen personally, I would say yes. So it, you it believe that yes. they're... Possibly aliens, and they have visited Earth. Have and are continuing to, yes. And continue to. Okay. Yeah. And and how are they doing that? What is the close? And, and you'd ask a bunch of questions. What is the closest star? Why do we exist? And are they allowing but us to continue to exist? Could be dimensional travel. It could be, yeah. It's like, like warping space for great distances. Maybe they have Right. Like, I mean, I it's obviously some technology that's beyond our comprehension Correct. at this point. Exactly. But doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Correct. You know, what was that? That... Uh, Rumsfeld said, we know what we know, we know what we don't know, Right. we don't know what we don't know, something, yeah. some, something along those lines. But. Can I interrupt this nonsense just for a second? <laughs> nonsense? This yeah, is I'm talk, talk. talking to Kalani Laker. Kalani, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I sent him a picture of us just now, and uh, he's like, oh, Talking Lead podcast. And uh, he says, um, I had a Talking Lead t-shirt and I gave it to a naked chick. He said, <laughs> a naked chick. It's, he said, it's a super soft shirt. She still texts me all the time that she loves it. <laughs> <laughs> and why was she naked? That's a... I didn't get any Is details. This like a random... I don't, I don't... There's a naked chick walking down the street. I don't street. want hey, any details. Take one of we these are known them. for having the, the most comfortable, softest um, T-shirts. Exactly. Now we can anyway. continue back with the aliens. Sorry. Yeah, I just like thought it. that was hilarious. We need to ask him about the American hunting challenge. Did you get an answer on that, too? I didn't ask him you yet. You didn't ask him about that no, yet? But we okay. will. We should have him. Just have him on. He yeah. wants to Dude, get me on the podcast. All right. So. We'll do it. We'll get him on. Okay. All right. Last question. Final. I know you got to go. All right. Uh, if you could spend the day at the range with anyone or any group of people still alive dead or fictional it could be a combination of any of those who would you like to spend the day at the range with so uh there's a guy i went to school with his name's billy looney and he's a he's a navy seal and i and i would like to spend a day at the range with him one because the last time i saw him he was a lacrosse lacrosse player and a complete idiot um <laughs> and uh, i wanted i want to spend the day uh, and of course that's not the case anymore. I don't know him, but he, he did, he joined the teams. Um, he, uh, and I, last time I talked with him was, uh, out of college and we were all idiots. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I wanted to see just how that world's changed him and, and kind of find the, out how he got there, how he, yeah, yeah. yeah, how he got, cause he went over into the supply corps and then he ended up in the Navy SEALs. That's probably a great story. Oh, wow. And, and, um, We've, probably, we've we've disconnected since then. I haven't spoken, but I always think about him every now and then because, uh, for me, you know, knowing him as a college kid and then knowing he went to the teams, you know, is is such a strange concept for me. And I'm just 
to spend a day at the range with him and talk to him about his stories and, and kind of see how he handles his, his uh, weapons platform. And I'll tell you, I used to live on base when I was in Virginia Beach at uh, the Little Creek Amphib Base. And there, right. there's, there's teams out there, and you can listen to them practice, and they practice all the time. It's like shooting well and shooting accuracy accurately is a, a tritable skill, and the guys that are at peak performance do it all the time. They practice yeah. it all the time. I've got a couple guys like that, too, that went to, grew up with in high school with, and I'm like, there's you didn't become a ranger i don't even believe you right <laughs> there's and, no way yeah another guy's a seal as well and you're, like, you're an idiot there's no way you could do that it's a it's yeah you're like oh they're just letting anybody in you know but no, it's ahead. a testament to like what the military can do for people you know and uh, how it can change people and, and yeah. push them forward yeah yeah there's no there's no uh predeterminer for people who enter enter into the teams or anything like that the, the guy you think is huge with tattoo sleeves all the way down are probably the first to fail yeah it's the yeah. small dudes Typically, yeah who who actually you know put more of their effort to get the dude next to him to push than themselves. And yeah. in, in that collaboration, they both they go through it. Yep. And I guess that's the secret sauce. So what's his name? Billy Looney? Yeah, Billy Looney. Bill, uh, Billy, if you're listening, get in touch with Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> five, five, five. <laughs> five, five, five. So you don't want Red to join you from Red Dead Redemption? You oh, want- that guy... Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he actually is the actor. I don't know. He, no, no, oh, it could be fictional. Oh, fictional character. You could do fictional too. You could bring Red from the video game to the range with you. Yeah, yeah. Or you could go to his range. Right. No. No. I'd, I'd probably do some somebody that I haven't that is has probably had a really interesting story um, in life uh, and just catch up on the range. There you go. Very good. Has anybody That's said an Ted Nugent? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think in the, you know, over the 10 years, he's, he's come up at least once okay. or twice, but not a lot. No, yeah. no, not a lot. I've had, um, he's wild. um, Teddy Roosevelt. That'd be a good one. Had him Go hunting with a him. A couple yeah. of times. Yeah. A lot of people say their dads that have passed yeah, away. Yeah, they sure. like to yeah. bring their dad back and, and do that. That's always my answer. That's been my answer. That's, yeah. that's my reason for the, the question when I originally came up with it. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, so Adrian, there you go. You have made it through the new guy questions unscathed. You're in one piece. Thank you. And, Good answers uh, too. So yeah, some of the best answers that I've had in the <laughs> the ten years. So that's perfect for our 500th episode. You know. Yeah. That was great. So I think to to cap it to cap it off, if we if we can talk about the new firearm that's in front of us here, I'm still not going to say it until you give the green light that we can talk about it. Yeah, I have to talk to. Uh, Parker on so we're we're immediately releasing this product. It's it's coming real soon for that. Now, what we're planning on doing this this particular product, we're we're have five hundred already made. Um, you can pass it on to me. Okay, there we go. Um, so this looks like a P fifty, but it does have a collapsible stock. Yes, it is an NFA item. This is a rifle. This is a short barreled rifle. It's an SBR. It's an SBR in that configuration. Correct. And uh, we've produced about five hundred of these. And uh, we've already, you know, talked to some of our distributors to carry these. They're, they're going to pre-stage those, and then they're going to release it. And, and then, of course, get the, the NFA uh, process going. And this idea came out uh, of getting a lot of requests for the P-50 of folks who are wanting to turn theirs into an SBR. So they're asking about right. kit systems. And, uh, yes, we are working on a very easy-to-install kit system for those of you guys who do have P-50s. Um, 
to convert it over to a rifle. You will have to register them. Yes, you will have to register them, and there's a process for that. And we'll make sure we have all the literature there to make sure you guys don't get yourselves in trouble. But this particular one, out of the box, is a is a rifle. So um, it has our collapsible stock system with the, with the P50. So this it's the Ambi. You can go correct either can, side with the exactly keeping your Ambi theme going. Correct. So it's uh, it's it came out of a popular request for us. So we we're just bringing this into the product line as an offering for those who are interested in in the P or the R50 Defender, and that's what's our what we're going to be calling this the R50 Defender out of our Defender series of rifles. Um, Very so, nice. Yeah. I want to clarify something with the with the um, the R50 P50 uh, combo. Initially, when the um, the P50 came out, we were we were going to offer a stock and barrel. Uh, kit that you could buy and, and, and mm-hmm. install, but after um, after realizing how difficult it is to install the stock and, and barrel, like just for the average person, right? Uh, we decided against that yeah. idea. So this, okay. we've got some things on this and some other things on the horizon to uh, accommodate for that. Um, yep. Yeah. Conversion. The, the, conversion. The, yeah. The ease of conversion was something that we paid a lot of attention to. So we're using our best gunsmiths who were, when we saw that they were kind of struggling and in some cases kind of screwed it up to where springs pop out or we're like, ah, I don't know if this is good. There's good just, there's, it, it can be done. There's just too much that can go wrong Correct. for sure. the average person. So but yeah. yeah, our our plan to address that is is a pretty sound one. And yeah. uh, it doesn't involve the customers breaking anything apart. Um, just one simple screw and a, and a quick swap out and now they have themselves a rifle. And that's Very and that's cool. where we're going to apply the, the process for folks who want to convert themselves. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And it's going to be more affordable than the original plan. Yeah. It, yes. Yes. Exactly. And then you know, eventually they're going to overturn the the pistol brace thing, like they did the bump stock. So I exactly. S- so I the, see that happening. So, um, but at this point in time, they're not available. So this right here, um, the Defender Series originally was going to be a a uh, brace system, and sure. it would have been have the the dimensions required to to be completely compliant with the law. Now with the shenanigans with the government government the brace system we decided you know if you're going to call a brace a sbr anyways let's just go full-blown sbr and yeah. that's that's where we are right now so if the, the laws do change it's, it's you guys not, will it's, exactly accommodate. it's not a far stretch to to release this system with a with a bracing platform on it for those of us in the community that have some physical disabilities that may need that extra leverage to shoot their pistols properly yeah so I see that you guys are are putting a lot of um, effort and technology into the uh, the five seven round there. Um, anything else coming along that uh, is going to be using that that round from you guys? Well, you're just going to have to wait and see. That's uh, huh? <laughs> yeah. have to wait and see. Possibly, well, yeah. We're, we're we're you know there's a lot of stuff in development right now. Like I said, uh, you know, with George having completely undistracted uh, design opportunities these days, uh, we have a lot of products in the lineup that. That we would love to get off. If I could snap my fingers, have a line of manufacturing going, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff down the horizon that's going to make people pretty excited for what we're do. I think the biggest thing um, for us is that uh, when we get a breakthrough in new firearms technology, that we have a class of, of pistol. So, you know, if whatever it is, like a 9mm or three eighty or thirty two, um, you know, the first release of that particular series is is the first release of the series. And we're really liking the idea of integrating new emergent technologies with a, across an entire spectrum of, of compatible cartridges uh, for for the marketplace. So it's it's we listen to everybody. We listen to our customers. We, we read the comments. Uh, we like to see 
uh, that engagement. Our, our designers are watching those kind of things, especially, you know, when George makes a new uh, breakthrough in mechanical technology, there is scalability allowed. Scalability, what I mean by that is, you know, going from like a 223 to a 65 Grendel or a 308 or something. That's scalability. 300 blackout. 300 yeah. blackout. That's scaling that particular technology to a different cartridge. And the same applies to to our series of products like Sub 2000. You know, we have a 40 cal variant and we have a 9 millimeter. Been a lot of requests for 10 millimeter and 45 uh, yeah. as well. Um, so that's a scaling challenge. And that doesn't require, you know, a George Kellgren level uh, brain to do that. That's, that's, um, pretty pretty uh, it's doable it's doable engineer yeah. work for any of our staff engineers to do that yeah uh, yeah i don't yeah. want to say any more about 45 and, eight and 10 millimeter but okay um this is the yeah, show for our, exclusives yeah our um <laughs> by the way our engineering staff uh, as well like they again like you guys have to keep in mind caltech uh, we have 320 employees to- yep. that's that's total that's that's everybody from uh the guys the the janitor that comes every Friday to to George himself and everybody in between, all guys in machine shop. So um, uh, our engineering staff is actually really, really small compared to every other manufacturer out there. So they've got a lot on their plate because, again, it, these guys, it's like drinking out of a hose, a fire hose, when, when it comes to George. Because George is always, he's on he's constantly. Like the guy has more energy than all of us combined, really. I actually heard, I was in Derek's office one day and George was in there. He, like, yeah, come on in. And sat there for a second. They they finished up their conversation and at the end of it, Derek's like, dad, just stop. Just, <laughs> just we, we got to slow down. We can't release four guns this year. You know, right. like, we let's just do one or two, you know. So that's, that's George's mentality. He's just, he's a kid in a candy shop, like I said, like um, with designs and stuff. He just absolutely loves doing this. But... <laughs> Our staff have to like pump the brakes, like help, you know, eight, and that's why Adrian's job is uh, extremely difficult because he has challenging to, to say yeah, the least. He's yeah, he's got he's got to delegate all that stuff and regulate all that stuff. Yeah. So the um, one of the things that we do when we come up with a new product, it's an emergent and a and a technology technology platform to to diversify various cartridges and so we'll start a game plan it's like hey, all right, we're at least like P15 now. Can can that be scaled to a micro size? Can that technology be scaled to a large format and then we do design plans to get that going and then uh, my dad will show up going ah this thing just worked what is this thing that worked is just it's and then i look and it's like that's pretty cool let's bump off everything we're planning and get this thing now mm-hmm. in the design field there's there's a lot of work we wanted to do with the rdb there's still work with the rdb with mm-hmm. various uh, calibers and 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 chambering and and um as as well as uh, a metal edition that's that kind of looks like technology from the 1940s um that's the m43 of my folks can look this up on google we actually had prototypes designed on that and then we immediately moved into some new pop technology that we wanted to get into the marketplace before we kind of do a scaling of an existing product because we're tr- we, he's trying to get the newest stuff out there as quickly as possible right. for patentability reasons and and his general excitement for a breakthrough technology. Yeah, well, there's, and there's, there's method when the windows open for that. You you got to strike when the time's right too. Exactly. Yeah, there's a method to the to the madness, and I know a lot of people have been asking for certain calibers, certain sizes of our existing guns, and things like that. But right. Uh, I'm glad Adrian came on and explained that because there's there's a there's a reason you haven't gotten a 45 ACP or a 10 millimeter sub 2000. You know, um, it's not that we again, not hard to do at yeah. all. It's not hard to do at all for even our engineers. You know, much less uh, George himself. But yeah. have yeah, so. have you um, 
and I'm sure the answer is yes to this. Does he give you access? Do you get to see his, you know, his designs, his works in progress? And yes, he give you access to those and ask for your input. And no, he, he, well, he doesn't ask for anybody's input. <laughs> no, it's let alone my own. I mean, there's stuff that, you know, folks, like, he, the, the big thing that he doesn't like mm-hmm. is ornamentalities. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is, is uh, features on a firearm for the explicit purpose to look cool. Yeah. If it has no function at all whatsoever, he is not interested in, in putting it in there. Um, you know, and, and there's an entire thing to be said about, you know, make, making a platform look beautiful and, and making it tactical and all that stuff. He is, if it has serves no functioning utility at all whatsoever, it shouldn't be in there because it's, it's more time to manufacture it and that drives costs up. And, okay. and for him, he wants to make sure it's as affordable as possible. Case in point, the original RDBs, when he was um, R&Ding those, um, had probably 20 or 30 more parts in the gun. So he starts, he throws everything at the wall, um, gets a design, gets it to the range, you know, function tests everything, and then um, starts pulling back like, oh, well, we realize we, can, we don't need that part to make this part do whatever. And I'm not an engineer, so forgive me for the dumb speak but yeah so he he tries to like if it's not necessary it doesn't go in the gun sure yeah so that's why when you pull an rdb apart you're like there's there's nothing in here right it's very simple. super simple design yeah the simplest making something simple is the hard part yeah that's i mean the they're, going, going, they're all that way sub 2000 same way you take yeah you take apart, it's just so i i would say not to correct you but initially yeah george when he's designing something he wants to get this, this is what's in his mind. This is what he wants in his gun safe. Like he has the, the big picture, the ultimate goal. Once he has an, um, a functioning prototype of that gun, then he'll ask because I've, I've even had him ask me questions down at the range and I'm just like, ah, you're George Kelgren. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you like. You're right. You know I, what I mean? I, there's one aspect that he does ask for people's input and, and you're right. You just reminded me of this. He will walk around with a prototype and ask people to hold it. Does it fit in your hand? Do you does like how it, it feels? Yeah. How does this feel? And, so and then he'll give you, feedback. do you like this? Does this feel good or does this feel good? He will do that. That's 100% for sure. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. And he, if you do catch him in the range, he'll, he'll, yeah. he'll, I mean, it could be anybody too at the company. Like everybody's input, everyone's input is important. Sure. Um, but the overall general design is his. I mean, obviously yeah. his name's on the side of the Final company. Final say He's, so. Yeah. Yeah, he here. does. He does go to a pool of people for the ergonomics, the actual fit and feel. He'll he'll walk. He'll find the guy with the biggest hands and say, "Hold this. How does this feel?" <laughs> and then his guy's with the smallest hands. Try try this. Mm-hmm. How does it feel? And yeah. he he does model that off of yeah. feedback for sure. And then I think some of the uh, the details of the gun to f- uh, finish up. The engineers get to do the sights. The engineers get to do yeah. some of the you know bells yeah. and whistles on the gun and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. But again, yeah. like like Adrian said, if it doesn't need it, then it's not going on there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, this has been probably one of the my most favorite shows in the 500 Sweet. episodes that I've done. 500. There uh, you go. Had a fellow aviator with me here, so yeah, that was good. Thanks for bringing good me speak on. There, love love those stories. Great stories, yeah. Very good stories. Uh, and we got to release the big giveaway. So yeah. the announcement is out. It's ready, guys. The wait is over. September. The whole month of September, we'll be doing the Talking Lead and Friends Freedom Giveaway. Yeah. America. Somebody's getting a big old gift in October. With with all of yep. our, our sponsors um, for this giveaway, Mission First Tactical. Uh, I'm going to go through everybody. Firebird Targets. We've got Enforce. We've got 
Walker's Ear, we've got Tactical RX, we've got Seal One, we've got Vortex, we've got, um, oh yeah, STA Blades, we've got to make sure we keep that handy, Defiant Munitions for the Ammo, Kraken Cases, uh, Keltec with the awesome three guns, the KS7, the RDB, and the P15, and that custom holster for Mission First Tactical. Uh, who am I forgetting? Your printer? Uh, d- dip, yep. Yeah. Dipstick. Dipstick dip uh, graphics. Kraken. And the Kraken cases. And all, everything we mentioned. So we're going to have a list, so you'll be able to go. You, you'll be able to sign up for it. Uh, be looking on our website, our social meds, for links to the uh, the Gleam giveaway that we're going to be setting The up. next giveaway, Adrian takes you up in an E2 over the Arabian Sea. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, wait for a sandstorm to come out, too. Yeah. Yeah. As long as there's not a, a sandstorm, I would love to do that. Uh, but Leadheads, thank you all for uh, an amazing 10 years, 500 episodes, and we're going to continue to crank them out for you. So email me, talkingled at gmail.com. If you've got guests that you'd like us to have on the show, topics you want us to discuss, you know, I love hearing from you, Leadheads. Uh, and then, Chad, do you want to announce the winner of the, the little swag pack giveaway that you, you did on Instagram? Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, I looked yeah. at that last night. What What's his... Uh... If you, I can't get service. Can you get service? Oh, Pull up your yeah, phone there. Yeah, yeah. Hang on a second. And here. so we did a tour of the factory. did a tour of the factory. We've got some video we're going to be putting out of that. And um, we were at this... One of your uh, one of your machines that was milling out a, a part, and Chad's like, whoever can tell me what that part is, wins a Caltech swag pack. The first person, yeah. How long did it take? First person. First guy. First person nailed it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, can you sort them by by recent and then go to the very? first We know one? who this is, don't we? Bill. No, he wasn't the first one. Oh, he wasn't? No, he wasn't oh, okay. the first one. Okay. So if you can sort them by recents. Yeah, let me see. Well, you might be able to do it. I think it is Mustang Perry. Oh, that's a solid. I think Mustang Perry. Solid Long name. time listener. I think he, he just won a couple of giveaways ago. That's the great thing about our show is you can win multiple times. Nice. Just not during the same giveaway. Mustang Perry, we need a shirt size. Mustang Perry, we'll hit you up on the grams too and, and let you know. But congratulations to Mustang Perry and thanks to everybody who participated in that. And I look forward to seeing all you guys participate in this giveaway. And during the entire month, we're also going to be doing giveaways to promote this giveaway. So one winner is going to win all this, but multiple winners throughout the month listen to the podcast, watch our social meds, watch uh, Caltech social meds because we're going to be doing giveaways for Mission First, Caltech, Seal One. Uh, everybody. Everyone everybody, everybody. Yeah, it's going to do additional giveaways uh, to you guys, but you have to participate. You have to listen, yes. and that's how you win. Here on the Talking Lead Podcast. So that does it. That wraps up the 500th episode. Guys, it's been great. Crazy. Thanks again for hosting me here at Coco. Uh, love your facilities. Love your people. Uh, this is my first time here. I, you know, 10 years you guys have been uh, supporting I the just, show. Really? It's, wow. Yeah, it's weird. I've, I'm, I asked him yesterday. I'm like, have you been here before? He's like, no. Yeah. I'm like, I could have sworn. Yeah, you have to go out west and see the west facility. Put on that Marty Robbins as you're coming over. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you so go. you and I are going to go do that, right? Yeah, we'll do that. We're going to do that. Good. I'll do that. So that, that's coming up. I'll say the coolest part about being out there is uh, 
we had a gun that we just we put together out there and we walked outside just around back and just shot in the desert <laughs> yeah so our buddy uh, paul markle was student of the gun is out there and they've got some places where we can go and we can shoot for you know two thousand three thousand nice if we want to so we'll go out we'll visit him too yeah uh, introduce you to, to paul markle cool. uh, but until then leadheads as always keep your loved ones close and your firearms closer and your Keltex closer Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for. Hard is random. What is your first thing you ask? I've got. I've actually got a pretty good. All right, all right, all right. This, this, like everybody knows me. If they grab me this drink, they know me. We didn't think we had anything else for you, but we do. <laughs> but yeah, you thought it was the end, but wait, there's more. There's always more with the Talking Lead Podcast. So, uh, and I'm gonna. I guess I'll add this to the the new guy questions because I like this. I like this. So. What is your go-to beverage of choice, adult beverage of choice? It's going to be a Captain Morgan with Diet Coke. Captain Morgan? Why is that? Dude, it just tastes like vanilla. I, that's Captain Diet. Yeah. If I'm going to be, if I'm at a bar and I need, and I just need a drink or if I'm anywhere, airplane, whatever. Just it's your comfort drink. Captain and Diet. No, 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 not, sorry. Airport, not airplane. He doesn't. He's, no. He doesn't drink Captain <laughs> no. and Diet in the airplane. Airport. airport. I'm, I'm sitting. I'm airport. Or I'm, you know, they say, "Hey, what do you want to drink?" Or if even if I'm like on a golf course, what, what do you want as a Captain and Diet? That's, I don't know why. It's, why it's, Diet? I because, well, one that's uh, the drink we were raised on is probably not good uh, for me, and they're saying like the aspartame's bad, but it, it just the flavors are good. I, I just so you like, like that the drink. mixture of the, yeah, the cat. but it, that's the only time the, I ever drink Diet Coke. The vanilla-y, rummy with, yep. the, yep. the di- with the Diet So now, I love Captain Morgan's too, and that's one of my favorite, but it doesn't, I don't react well with it, I've been told. I've been told it makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> two, so. two stories. One, I have a question for you. Um, when you first came on board, it was our first trip together to one of the trade shows. We're in the airport um there was probably five or six of us at the table and there was a drinking game that you told us about that you um you and the guys in your squadron and stuff used to do what what is that somebody had to Uh, buy all the drinks yeah so it's uh it's credit card roulette that's it credit card roulette so um there's two there's two types of it's it's not a drinking game it's kind of like like a you know, gambling game at the very end. Of okay. The meal. So yeah, you'll yeah. say you're out with like 15 people and there's going to be a big tab. You can just split it down the middle, which is called a wimp tax. So, <laughs> so the wimp tax is you, you evenly divide the bill across the 15 people. It doesn't matter if that one guy ate nothing and one guy ate everything and had all the drinks, they're paying all the same. Okay. That's one way. The other way is credit card roulette and where everybody puts a, their credit card in a hat and then you get the, uh, the waitress or waiter, whoever, to pull them out one at a time. And every everyone that's pulled out is safe from paying. And then you get down to the last two. And one of those two guys is paying for the whole bill. And then the, the guy that's picked <laughs> out is safe. And I think I won. And it's when you, you're the last guy to pay, you actually are the winner. So it's an honor to pay for everybody. So, ah. so the winner gets to – so there's one game it's you're trying psychology. to lose. psychology. Yeah. It's, like, it's actually lose. a good thing that you're yep. buying this Yeah, game. so that guy <laughs> should cheer. Yes, congratulations, you won. Here's the bill. You know, that's that's the one. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was, that was fun. That was my introduction to, to traveling with Adrian. Yes. Um, the other, the other story I meant to mention this when we were talking about, um, flying and stuff earlier is, um, uh, on one of these trips, it was my first time sitting next to you on the flight. And he was explaining to me exactly what was going on in the cockpit from taxiing to, 
uh, getting to 10,000 feet and leveling off and uh, up to leveling off. Dodging and storms and all that kind of stuff. No, he was, just, he was just telling me like what buttons are pushing, what they're yeah. pulling, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, it was fascinating to me, but now when I get on a flight, I'm like, well, I hope that guy remembers to push that one, but like, now it scares me. <laughs> no, I think no, I thought they just put it on cruise control and watch a movie, is it? <laughs> no, well, when you're going overseas. It was really cool. It was really kind of interesting to hear like exactly what's going yeah, on the, up there. Yeah, the procedural the technical stuff. technical standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Navy copy. So this, we were probably in a 737, um, almost guaranteed if I was being able to describe switchology. Um, and yeah, so they do the same thing all the time, and every every single pilot does it, so they... They rotate at the same airspeed, you know, it's depending on the, the winds and also the, the weight of the aircraft. But also when they, you know, ro- bring up the gear, when their flaps are sequenced up to the next position and when they turn on the autopilot, I can tell them when it's turning on and turning off because uh, you can feel a little bit of that. Um, it was cool. And, yeah. the, and the weird thing is uh, he explained it so well, I, f- I felt like I understood what he was talking about. And I know yeah. nothing about flying, What's the obviously. worst passenger you've ever had? Oh, the... The worst passenger I've ever had. Yeah, it's very, on it's, one of your one of your military flights. Very, very seldom. If I have a bad passenger, do I interact with them because I can just close the door and not and ignore them. <laughs> and then the crew them. handles the passenger. But uh, you know, do you ever anybody just freak out? No. So that's kind of the benefit. I transport military people, and I've never had anybody. You know, we've had a me- medical emergencies where folks kind of like we need to land to get the guy to an ambulance, but we've never had an unruly pasture like we read about in the, in the news where like, Oh, they're screaming and there's no alcohol allowed on these airplanes. They're all military guys. Most of them are going from like their boot camp to, you know, one of their a schools or removing, you know, a, t- a seal team or a Marine group from one location to another. They're all very good people. Very seldom they break out in fights. Occasionally I got a guy I had to pick him up because he got kicked out of his base and he was going to be disciplined over home. Even that guy was nice. You know, it's like, yeah, Sucks because he got in trouble. I mean, he was he got drunk and then woke up naked and half dead and on a golf course somewhere. And you ever can't do you ever that. done any pranks or practical jokes to somebody during flight? Yeah, the funny the thing I've ever done is as I walked out. You know, there was a passenger, a space a guy, which is a civilian. And I'll just I looked out the window at the motor and I nodded. And I was like, all right, still there, and I walked right back. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you didn't that's, say, did you see that? <laughs> it's a gremlin. It's no, a gremlin out there. No. <laughs> no, and I had to know who that passenger was too, because some people wouldn't take be you know take that yeah. very well. Yeah. So, but that's it. Got to know. You got to know your audience, right? Correct. Yes, you got to know the audience. <laughs> so, Captain and Diet Coke. Yes, Captain and Diet. Captain and Diet. Credit card roulette. And then, of course, you can go and break it down into you know whiskeys and bourbons and all that. And I have I have go tos of all those. It really you know. But if there's going to be one, I'm going to ask for right. And it's like, hey, would you like something to drink? I always say, you know, Captain. And Just diet. your automatic go to. I'll try that. So, yeah. Beer? You drink beer? Yeah, you yeah. Beer um, I am a beer drinker, and I've I've taken on a lot of IPAs these days. I don't have a go to brand I I recommend, but. Uh, and they're so varied these days with the microbrews. But I usually stay with a microbrewery. There's a lot of pop-ups around here in Central Florida. Some of them are yeah. good. Um, so generally IPAs are what I'll go for. Okay. What is your dad? What is George's go-to drink? Glenn Morangi. <laughs> it came right out of his mouth. He knew yeah, exactly what perfect. it was. Yeah. 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 That's, his favorite, that's his favorite drink. Nice. Um, he'll drink all sorts of other stuff, but that's his favorite whiskey. Yeah. I've only ever seen him drink wine. And he's big into wine, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you're going to give him a bottle of anything, Glen Ranch is, is the one. Nice. Okay. Maybe that's what keeps him so <laughs> yeah. energetic and youthful. Yes. And Dude, the guy, I'm t- he's clarity. got more energy than I do. And clarity. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. Maybe we should all start drinking some more of that. Yeah. I need yeah. I need more clarity. I think your dad, he, he looks like he's maybe in his 60s. 
It's nuts. Yeah, he's great genes. Nordic Nordic genes, Nordic blood. But just know? his, Some I mean, his... genes, right? Yeah. But just the way he moves around. I mean, walk, he's extreme. He's a ninja, dude. He walks so yeah, fast across the walker. campus. like, And he's he's in great shape. Was he, he in the military? Yeah, yep, he was in the Swedish Navy for a bit. Uh, not very long and got out of that. Maybe. He, he wasn't really interested in a career um, in, in that side of thing. But he... he his entire family were very military centric. Everybody served. So, how big was his immediate family? Brothers, sisters. Kind uh, of thing? He so he had a brother, two brothers, um, and there was just the three of them. That's that's so family of five. And mm-hmm. his dad was military, so constantly moving, constantly uh, taking care of himself. His his mother was 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 there, but for for Swedes uh, generally, they they have to learn to you know pick up their load on their own pretty quick. Yeah. Now, is that the place that has that stinky fish thing in yes. the, in the sure, can? Yes, Sjöströming. Say it again. Sjöströming. Have you eaten it? No, I have not, but I want to uh, because I, ha- I have family members that uh, have had it, and you know, there, people put YouTube videos of them trying it and throwing yeah. it up because they're just like <laughs> so ton. So you open it underwater. So when you underwater. open a can, you put it underwater. You open it because it's too stinky to endure, and then you put it on like uh, yogurt. You eat it with yogurt on a flatbread. That's how it's supposed so to be. Rotted, stinky fish on, on a flatbread on, yogurt. on yogurt. Yogurt, and which flatbread. yogurt is also soured and yeah. They say it's super good, but I, I yeah, you don't want to open that can open there. You're going to ruin that room yeah. for a long so time. Tun's got a video where he tried it for for Tun Jones is a, a friend of ours. Um, he was over there, and uh, the exact same thing that you're saying right there. Somebody bet him. One of the yeah. local guys was like, "Hey, if you can do it, I'll give you a hundred dollars." You know, yeah. kind of thing. As soon as he opened it, you hear him go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you, you get like a you get like a bucket of water, put it in the water, and then open it underwater, and then you got to take your stuff out and put it onto your food. There Smart. You but there's that's how they do it, man. That's different cultures. Very ethnic food. Yeah. So there you go. So this is it. This is really the end of the 500th episode. Things you didn't know about Adrian. It's a little bonus. We're going to call this segment. Yeah. A little bonus. All right. We're out. See you. Yeah, I'm going to add that to the, the list of questions. That's a good one.